All right, what's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. Um, I forgot the day. What is it? The twenty sixth, June twenty sixth. Yeah, Tuesday. Um, I'm DJ Crooked. We got DJ Neva. Yo, what's up? We have DJ D Miles. What up? What up? Jamie the Great is not here. Thank goodness. He's uh, <laughs> it's his birthday, and he went to LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank the Lord he's not here right now with us. But we got a special guest, uh, one of my homies. I've known him for a few years now. Uh, really great DJ, really dope guy, one of Pittsburgh's finest, uh, DJ Nugget. Thanks, hey. for hey. thank you, man. Thanks, guys. You just happen to be in town here in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're at Omnia tonight. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad I got you to come through and uh, spend some yeah, hours with us. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me. <laughs> no doubt, man. I love the show. Oh no! Good Thank looking you, out, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I met you initially. I don't know what year it was. Shit, two thousand. It's probably like two thousand six or seven. Is that when I was going to Pittsburgh? Maybe right after that. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Zimmy and I were booking DJs heavy in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. Shout yeah. to DJ Zimmy. Um, you guys were like basically like basically like a like a dj duo almost yeah. but like you guys are like partners in crime yeah and uh yeah i remember getting booked for the s bar yep and then you guys just had you you guys were the dudes at that time right in pittsburgh you i mean you st- yeah i mean there were other guys obviously but yeah know, we were throwing tons of parties and we kind of played the biggest spots I how, guess. Did, how did you yeah. and zimmy hook up zimmy and i <clears throat> we worked at red bull together actually um you guys ever see those trucks that drive around with the big cans of Red Bull in the back? Yep. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. they don't even have those that much anymore, but we used to do that. That's those how I met small him. trucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's. I think it's. But there's only girls that do it now, but yeah. back in the day, they used to have guys that do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah, cause I was yeah. about to say, there's usually like, you know, like 18-year-old yeah. girls. Yeah. Well, at the time, I think I was probably 21 or something when I met him. Yeah, but so. I, don't know, I don't know if I would have drank something you gave me, Paul. <laughs> 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 so yeah. you were out there like, hey, what's yeah. up, man? You want, you want a Red yeah. Bull? Yeah, literally, like on college campuses, like. Especially you, Do you and guys Zimmy know what together? Taurine is. And Zimmy's like, <laughs> Zimmy's like six five or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And how, how tall are you? No, five seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's like the movie cover of Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. How did you guys link up? So, Zimmy at the time he wasn't DJing. He was just really into music. Yeah. So every time I worked with him, we just kind of clicked because we would always just chop it up about music mm-hmm. and then he ended up leaving he moved to philadelphia and him and i just stayed in touch and uh, at the time i was living above this bar with like eight goons just like a crazy time you know when i was younger and zimmy was like on the phone with me one night and he was like man i wish i just had like a job where i could just like talk to people about music and like do stuff with music i'm like you could it's called djing i do it every night <laughs> so he ended up moving back from philly and uh he got all the gear. I was basically just like, look, he got a job at Guitar Center. He's just that dude. He's super focused and was like, I'm going to do this. So he got a job at Guitar Center, like learned all about the gear and everything, bought everything with like his Guitar Center discount, moved everything back to Pittsburgh, moved into the apartment we were living in. And then I basically taught him, you know, showed him the ropes a little bit. And that was like right whenever Serato was coming out. Mm-hmm. So I was just transitioning and out of, out of like playing records and everything. So um, you were always a DJ in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that start? Yeah. Like, I, uh, did you have a following since since the jump or like um know? yeah so i well it's kind of a i don't want to make it a long story but i grew up in a really small town in western pennsylvania like an hour outside of pittsburgh it's called slickville pennsylvania it's like super small no djs like i didn't know anything but i was really into hip-hop as a kid 
and got into breakdancing and DJing in like the mid 90s. And um, when I turned, I think 19, I moved to the city to go to school. And um, that's when I started DJing in the city. Uh, and then I was like, I always talk to people about like in different cities, like what music or what cut, what genre of music hits. Yeah. And which like, uh, and Pittsburgh has always been hip hop, right? Always a hip hop town. Yeah. Like even when like the rest of the country was going through the EDM phase. Yeah. Pittsburgh was still on some hip hop shit. Really? Yeah. Like they did not fuck with. Yeah. at all. So like the late like 2008, 2009 when the wave hit, it was it still, was still on hip hop. It was crazy because that was an exciting time as a DJ, kind of because uh, you know it gave you this whole other outlet of this all this other new stuff to play. And uh -huh. at the time in Pittsburgh, everything was kind of more hip hop. You know what I mean? So it was like, oh, cool! Like people are gonna start listening to this. It's on the radio. You know, we're gonna play more of this stuff out. And it was still like, no, <laughs> it was hip hop like all day. I mean, you could still play some EDM and get away with it, especially during that time. Obviously, people liked it, but mm -hmm. you know, after a couple songs, you definitely notice the the crowd that would just be like, "All right, switch it up now. Yeah. Time to go back to hip hop." I feel like it's a uh, it's it's definitely like a blue collar city, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like a working class yeah. city. Yeah, and I don't know. I think they they identify with hip hop more. Yeah, I don't know if I'm yeah. wrong. No, I think that, yeah. that's a good way to describe. I think it, they kind of sure. grew up on hip hop. So a lot of the dudes go to work or a lot of people go to work and they want to hang out and they don't really necessarily want to hear the new, new shit unless it's like something similar to their upbringing a little bit. I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. it's behind the times a little bit for sure. And like people are still catching up, I think. Because I remember bit. when I used to fly into Pittsburgh and I used to I used to do uh, S-Bar with you guys, I used yeah. to be like, yo, are you guys playing edm yeah yeah and you guys i wouldn't even say edm i would be like you guys playing house and shit and you'd like eh, you could play like one or two songs and then i would play like one or two and i would just i'd have to get out yeah but it was like a really dope fun hip-hop crowd yeah. And shit. yeah well there was like certain guys we booked too like you yeah who, who understood that and yeah. then you know you were good you're really good at playing hip-hop so we were like oh well let's bring crooked back because he kind of gets that gets the crowd so and then some guys just they were just stuck in the yeah. like what was trending at the time kind yeah of, yeah well we would watch guys struggle because they would think in their heads oh it's the edm time and you know right. it would they you know they'd fall on their ass because they didn't realize like they're not watching the crowd good enough so but yeah yeah, yeah. So, so when i got out there you and zimmy were like kind of running shit s bar was like the spot at the time yeah. and then so what, what uh, you know when you were coming up in the djing thing did you go through any like college radio shit, college party shit? Like how? You yeah. Know? So originally, I I went to school for um, broadcast journalism. Um, I got a scholarship. I went to community college, then I got a scholarship to go to the city to to this. It's a performing arts school in downtown Pittsburgh. It's called Point Park. It's actually a huge university now. But when I went there, it was just a little college. I went there for journalism, uh, broadcast journalism. I was I wanted to get into radio. And this one I met Bonix. You guys know Bonix, right? He was Wiz Khalifa's no. DJ. Mm, no. Um, I thought you guys met him before, but anyway, good friend of mine. He was really big on the radio, college radio. Then he moved into, um, like, uh, Kiss and, you know, the big radio stations in the city. But that was originally what I wanted to do. And then I had an epiphany when I was playing at a huge under-21 club that I had a residency at on a Saturday night. And there was a dude there from the radio, and he was basically there every weekend. You know, it was like they used to do that all the time back in the day. It would be like, you know, a DJ and then the guy from the radio would come in and the yeah. radio would kind of push the crowd to like, because mm -hmm. the radio was huge back then. Yeah. 
And I remember talking to him the one night. I, I can't remember how old I was, but my goal was to get in the radio because, like, I grew up listening to the radio. I wanted to DJ on the radio. And it, he was like, yeah, what are you doing with DJ? And, like, how's it going? And he, I was like, yeah, I want to actually do what you do. And he was like, why the fuck do you want to do that? It's terrible. I make, like, 25 grand a year. I've been working my ass <laughs> off for years. And I was like what and I ended up talking to him like afterwards and they like flipped me on my head like with what I wanted to do in my life so yeah I just got way more serious with actual DJing and it just kind of it was that time you know what I mean it was like that was still carrying records then but right whenever Serato hit it was just like changed the whole game because you were you know you didn't have to spend all your money on records anymore you could kind of start stacking your cash from your gigs and like right. you know, yep. so and then like in um in Pittsburgh it's so small right yeah so did were you just building a larger larger following like everyone was just hearing about you and shit yeah i think so I because mean, i remember just going there and every like you guys would take me to other clubs and everyone just knew you yeah like, i mean it's a small city so yeah. it wasn't like i don't want to act like it was crazy like but for know. me like being out of town though like you know like i was just we just had fashion here like a couple weeks ago yeah and, and you know when i would come visit him in scottsdale it's like you really get the um you, you you understand the respect that the city has for certain DJs because everywhere they go, like, literally everyone's, like, shaking their hand. They're like a fucking mayor. You know sure. what I mean? So, like, when I came to uh, Pittsburgh, it was very much the same thing with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Where, like, you guys would just take me around and we'd skip lines and shit, you know? Yeah. Like the, like the what is it, the Primanti? Primanti's. Primanti's. <laughs> yeah. They have these ill sandwiches in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I still fucking dream about them, where they're basically like turkey or pastrami sandwiches with coleslaw mm-hmm. on like regular, what is it, like rye bread or some shit? Just like plain old white bread. White bread, and then they have like french fries? Yeah. Is that all it was? Yeah, so it's like you pick your meat, and then it's basically like coleslaw, tomatoes, french fries, that's it. It was just amazing sandwiches, but I don't know yeah. if we were drunk and it was like 4 a.m. and it was just amazing because it was 4 a.m. But yeah, yeah, they were pretty They're fucking fire. amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one it, of those things you could eat at any time and you're like, this is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So then, um, when you so you're in Pittsburgh and you're building this following and stuff, and then how did you like? Was S Bar one of the biggest club like bars there? Like, what was was there any bar that was in the come up? Yeah, you know I'm saying that. S-Bar came around in a weird time because before S-Bar, there was another side of town that had a ton of clubs, mm-hmm. big, big clubs, like 2,000-person clubs. And I was playing in a lot of those spots. It was called the Strip District. And there was a time right before S-Bar where I was actually DJing seven nights a week in different spots over there because there, there were just tons of places. And it seemed like it all happened at once, but all those places just started, like, falling, apart, falling off, like going out of business, you know, something would happen. Somebody would shoot up a club. Something crazy would happen, you know. But it seemed like that whole area kind of collapsed this around the same time. And then the south side is where S-Bar was, which is basically just like one giant long street that has bars on every, you know, every two steps is a different bar. And whenever um, S-Bar opened, I just happened to know somebody there, and they, they basically turned into like a DJ spot where the owner was like, we're going to have DJs here every night. We're going to do different music formats, stuff like that. And it became like the spot in town. Uh, so... When you were coming up, was there, like, who was, like, the dude? I know you were, like, on the come up and shit. Yeah. Were, were there, like, OGs Oh, in there? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and whatnot? Uh, yeah, so, um, like, one of my mentors was a guy named DJ Selecta, who was, like, he owned the record store in town. He was, like, the big hip-hop DJ. Um, you know, he was, like, the music guy. Like, you, you'd go and find him to talk about music. He still, he plays at my bar. He's oh, still shit. around. Yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, he's a wow. beast. He's I'm, amazing DJ. I, I meant to ask, is there any known hip-hop artist 
out of Pittsburgh? Wiz, Wiz Khalifa. Khalifa would be the biggest yeah. one. That's the yeah. biggest one, yeah. Mac Miller. Oh, Mac oh, Miller. I didn't know Mac Miller yeah. was from Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Wiz, like, do you just always got to play a Wiz song throughout the night? Not really? Nah, nah. It's, nah. Not, it's not like that. I mean, not now, anyway. I feel like there was a time where it yeah. was, like, Even you know, Mac Miller was, like, when it was popping, you had yeah, to, like, play yeah. that. I mean, we still play it, you know. Like, yeah. People go off to it. People love I mean, there's a lot of, like... I feel like a reason, a big reason those guys became popular because they had such a huge hometown support because it's a very yeah. supportive city. Like, like even our DJ community in Pittsburgh is really dope. Like, everybody's cool, we're friends with each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that, like, all y'all got along yeah. and shit like that. It was, like, very small city. Like, I remember, like, when I would go out there for gigs or visit and stuff, like, when you drive into the city, you immediately, like, see these steel mills, right? Yeah. So there's a bridge, and it's like you see these steel mills, and it literally looks like you're, like, going into Gotham. Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, it looks, like, really super industrial. Yeah. And it looks like you're literally, like, driving on a bridge into Gotham. Like, Gotham City, yeah. Okay. And then you see these steel mills, and, like, I don't know what the... It seemed in certain parts of the city that it was, like, some things were, like, falling apart or, like, going out of business. And I don't know if it was, like... Yeah. You know, when I was visiting, was it like the end of like the like where they were making shit there? Like it just seemed like the city was go undergoing like a, a big change and shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um But then there were certain parts that were developing. You big know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like the last ten years has been like insane in Pittsburgh. Um really? it's becoming a big tech hub. So really? like it a lot of people are calling it the Silicon Valley of the East Coast. Really? Um, really? Yeah. So like we have Google there now, Uber's there now, Apple has a headquarters there now. I mean it's like big, big Damn. money coming into the city. So it's changing the city a lot, but in a good way. Um good ways and bad ways, obviously. You know, you have you know um, Are you noticing the difference in the crowds that you play for? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a ton we talk of- about that like the Bay Area. A lot. Oh man, San Francisco is another city. I feel like San Francisco is a totally different city. (laughs) Yeah. Like with all the like tech heads, like it's a different crowd when you play like in San Francisco now. Yeah. I visited San Fran last year for a few days with my wife, and um, I have some friends that had moved out there over the past couple years, Mm -hmm. and even they were like, I had a good friend that lived out there for the past like decade, and he was like, man, it's just crazy. He he was actually about to move because he didn't want to live there anymore. He was like, my rent's just insane. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) I mean, they just have so much money moving in there now. And that's what they're talking about with Pittsburgh now. Like a lot of the, the the whole economy is changing in the city, so there's a lot of more money coming in. You know, uh, I mean, just it's nuts, man. So but prices are going up. Prices are going up. Like to give you an example, um, I don't want to put his business out there, but DJ Selecta he bought a house in the neighborhood where my bar is, probably like 15 years ago, and his house was probably 40 grand. Like mm-hmm. no joke. Like brownstone in the neighborhood like right you know uh, uh, you know two steps off the main street right. and that same house right now would be half a mil <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so he's sitting on you know he's sitting on a gold mine that's crazy yeah Damn, man. yeah that's that's pretty aggressive now like it's it's crazy yeah so oh, whenever we open my bar is called the gold mark whenever we open that um we bought the building and it was right before the the whole neighborhood kind of exploded mm. And a year after having the the uh, bar, my wife and I were looking for a new place, and we kind of wanted to move closer to the bar. So we were looking at houses, and my real estate agent was like, look, don't even bother. And I'm like, why? He said that the, the neighborhood's called Lawrenceville. He said Lawrenceville had the second, or he said it had the highest double-digit growth of any neighborhood in the United States with real estate value in, the pa- in 2016. Oh, and he shit. said number two was Brooklyn. 
Wow. And I was yeah. like, man. So the whole thing was like these brownstones that were selling for like 60, 70 grand in 2010, they're selling for like half a mil right now. It's crazy. That's an insane job. Yeah. So the city's changing like rapidly, like really so, crazy. So you, you own a club, you own a bar and a club right now. Yeah. Shit. So you went from DJ to entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how I mean, was that? I mean, I want to go through the DJ days. Definitely, there was definitely yeah. a lot of fun times there. But since you brought it up, how was that? How did you how did you get from DJing to uh, opening your first bar? Just saving money? Yeah, getting a loan. You know what? Yeah, what? yeah. I didn't even get a loan actually. Um, so I knew I always wanted. I knew it's what I always wanted to do. So my whole actually, I had a. This is actually crazy. I'm going to bring this up to you. Yeah. But I had a really crazy conversation with you that you probably don't even remember. I probably was drunk and I don't remember. <laughs> I remember I was talking to Zimmy and he was like, you should call Crooked and ask him. And this is whenever you were coming out a lot. Yeah. So at the time, it was probably like 2008. I was actually coming out here a pretty decent bit. Mm -hmm. um, my friend Richard was booking me out here a lot. And I, all I wanted to do was DJ. But I knew at some point I wanted to open a spot. Right. And it was a weird time because I had this apartment in Pittsburgh and it was like, I had this crazy neighbor living next to me that wanted to kill me because I would be like practicing DJing and she had to like sleep during the day because she was like a nurse at night and she'd be like literally like threaten me to like, she'd be like, she like would run over and like be pounding on my door like I'm going to kill you. But anyway, <laughs> um, so it was like Richard was pushing for me to move out here and Zimmy was like, you should call Crook and ask him like what the DJ scenes like in Vegas right now. Yeah. I feel like it was like 2008, I think. Uh -huh. And so I called you and you were like, dude, don't move to Vegas. <laughs> you were like, it's crazy. Like the, the influx of DJs that we're getting right now. Like, I feel like Serato had finally hit its point And like every DJ in the country was like, where can I go and make more money? Mm -hmm. And you told me some crazy stories about like getting undercut for gigs oh, and like yeah. stuff like that. 2008, people were coming to Vegas for free yeah so it like everyone just wanted to have vegas on their resume yeah or just have a flyer with their name on it saying that they were in vegas yeah so these nightclubs <laughs> were literally like all right we'll let you spin here but you have to pay for your flight and we're not going to pay you yeah so these dudes were literally just coming out like thinking that that they would have a chance to to, to come blow, out to blow yeah, up to blow up right and uh it was a it was a weird time, right? Like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like a gold rush. Like everyone <laughs> like you know, like I feel like back no, in the yeah. day, like yo, like this motherfucker like you know, he struck gold and everyone yeah. just like started moving to that city <laughs> trying to like dig for gold and shit, man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I told you it was just over like oversaturated. Yeah, and crazy. I kinda knew that too. I mean yeah. I had talked to some other guys and they were just like, This is what's going on and I mean, we were even seeing it in Pittsburgh, you know what I mean? There were mm -hmm. kids moving in from, like, the suburbs that were taking gigs, and, you know, on yeah, a smaller yeah. scale, but yeah. it was the same shit. But um, that was, like, an enlightening conversation that I had with you on the phone that day, and uh, I basically made the call literally, like, the next day. Like, I'm like, I'm going to buy a crib. So I, I wanted to buy a house or I wanted to move to Vegas. That was the two things. Mm. So Smart I was move. like, yeah, Smart so move. <laughs> I didn't move to Vegas. I bought a house. And then um, I bit right. I met with a money manager and I was basically like, look, I need to, I want to open my own bar. And he was like, cool, this is what we need to do. X, Y, Z, super smart dude. And then um, it would took me like six or seven years before I like started making moves on the bar. Wow, he was focused, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy looking back at it. But that whole time I was just oh, DJing Oh, wait, so you set, up, you set a plan for six to seven years too? No, I didn't set a plan, but I kind of knew 
I kind of knew. seven years, you wanted yeah. to open a bar. Yeah, the first day I talked to him, I was basically like, I told him five years, but it took me like six, seven. Yeah. So he basically was like, all right, you need this much money. And then you're like, okay, so you're just going to try to save as much money yeah. and accumulate that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So he was basically like, you know, we went over like finances and everything mm-hmm. like, that was coming out of my pocket every month. And then he was like, you need to put this X amount of dollars away. So it was like, you know. Yeah, you had to be focused. And I was really bad at saving money. I, I had not saved money. I think a lot of DJs are bad at oh, saving money. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're bad at yeah. paying taxes and saving money, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so, all right, so you, you had a thing in your head that in five years you were going to you're gonna open this thing. Now, yeah. I'm you know, me having opened, a, you know, I've had new for 10 years. Of course. Did you think in those five years that you needed to learn the ins and outs of how a, a bar is run? Yeah. All right, so then how did you prepare for that? Yeah, so that's actually funny too. So I was DJing full-time that whole time. Yeah. I didn't have another job or anything. And it just so happened that I was really good friends with a lot of people that worked, you know, in the bars whenever I was DJing. Of course, yeah. So I would just constantly pick their brains basically and be like, you know, how does this run and how does this work and how do you do inventory and, you know, whatever and just started taking notes and – um the guy that owned Espar, Gabe, obviously you had a relationship with him from, yeah. from getting Good booked guy. out there. Yeah, yeah. he uh, helped me a lot too. He helped me a lot because he knew that that's what I wanted to do eventually. It was open my own spot, so he gave me some good advice as well. What's some of the best advice that people gave you? Um, yeah, that like man, maybe so they told stuff. you fu- like you know obviously it took you f- six to seven years to open, but then when you open you were like fuck man that dude gave me advice five years ago and it still resonates. Like, yeah, dude. yeah. I mean, watch the numbers was the biggest thing probably. Just like you know the numbers don't lie, so it's like a DJ opening a bar. Obviously, like you're gonna have all your friends coming down, people are coming in that you love. Free and, drinks. Yeah, you know, that, that <laughs> free drinks, comp drinks, comp tabs, all that stuff. That adds right. up like. It's no joke. It adds up super quick. Right. Even like DJ comp tabs, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It depends on how mm-hmm. big your place is. But like the first place that my wife and I opened, the gold market, it's, it's small. It's only like a 75, 100-person room. So you really have, especially for a small place, you really have to keep your eye on the numbers. Yeah. I heard, would you, is that like kind of like a dive bar a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like, like an it's like an old school bar. Yeah. I heard dive bars are the best <laughs> investments, though. Yeah. And that's what I've heard. Like you get like a neighborhood bar, yeah. You get consistent like a good, like a consistent like music musical theme, yeah. And the same bartenders, and those bartenders set up relationships with the same guys, and it's like cheers, yeah. Where I like the, that, yeah. with the neighborhood, and everyone just goes there, and it's like you know, uh, like you got a big sports event, everyone goes there. You got a big holiday, everyone goes there. Yeah. You got a birthday, everyone goes there. Every you know after dinner, everyone goes there, and yeah. it becomes this. A big part of the neighborhood and the dive bars, like really the, the shit to do. The center of the yeah, the yeah. community. It's like a part of the community. Yeah, and if you can keep your overhead low, for a small spot like that, you can make some money. Yeah, it's just like a cash cow too. It's pretty consistent too. As long as you don't change any, and the whole thing is to keep it consistent. Yeah. As soon as you change something, like people are gonna be like, I'm not going there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I was talking to DJ Scooter in San Diego, and uh, not to put his business out there, but he. There is like dive bars or certain things like investments like that that he has, and he would mm-hmm. tell me like, "Dude, you know, very minimal maintenance. You get a good bar manager and stuff to to watch the numbers and stuff. Yeah, and it's just you do you know once in a while a speaker blow out something will happen, but it's like he's like every month I get my money, I get that, <laughs> and sometimes it'll be a little more, sometimes it'll be the same, but it's never less. 
It's yeah. never like it always hits a certain number. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh smart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the bar's been good to us for sure. That's cool. So oh, when did yeah. you open that bar? Um we opened in November of 2015. 2015. Yeah, so we're coming up on 3 years in November this year. Now, when you open that bar. Yeah. Um we always like, you know, is there a certain theme that you wanted? You know, you oh, had yeah. five years to think about it. What you want? How do we, how you want us to look? What do you want to name it? Da da da. Yeah. So, well, the whole thing started happening with S Bar because people were really reacting to the DJs that we were bringing in, and obviously us doing our thing there. So, but S Bar was it didn't really have a theme to it or anything. I mean, you were in there. It was just kind of like a bar. It was kind of nice. It was borderline like a sports bar, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, because yeah. like you'd have the Steelers come in. Uh. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You'd have them just come in and they play the games. They play the game, but yeah. it, was, it wasn't like a dive bar, though. You know what I mean? Like he invested some money and it made the space mm-hmm. look kind of nice. It was like a high end sports bar, like a forty yeah. forty. It's kind of like, like a, a bounce yeah. in New York. Shit, I don't know have if I've been ever to, been to oh. bounce. Like a forty forty, mm-hmm. a little better than it's a little that. Upscale, right? yeah, yeah. I think, um, but it that, used to. I mean, it popped off, man. Yeah. Like it was like a fucking. It was like it was popping off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good energy. Yeah, but it basically got to a point where it was like he had DJs in there every night, but it was like the same music every night, and people kept coming. So it wasn't like, and I'm like a big music nerd, so I wanted to open something up on the other side of town. It was a little bit more artsy over there, you know, some hipsters, and you know, it's changed now a little bit. But I wanted to be able to do something where I had a whole like the whole plan like laid out where it was basically the weekdays I could focus on different music formats and throw like monthly parties with different DJs that did different stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I have a '90s hip hop night, I have a deep house night, I have a reggae night, I have a I mean you name it we've done it. And then on the weekends it was just like a party mm-hmm. straight up DJ on the mic party crazy you know you could play anything you know. So and that's kind of how we 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 like that was the whole like business plan for the bar. Mm-hmm. So when we I actually had tried to get a loan and the one of the banks was like, tell me how you're going to beat out the bars in your neighborhood. (laughs) So I had to like write this whole proposal to this bank and like basically explain. And I was really keen on the nightlife. So I was like, this bar does this, this bar does this, this bar does this, but none of them do this, what we're trying to do. So, you know, we kind of brought something new to the neighborhood and people reacted. Did you get the loan? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. My wife ended up giving me the loan. Basically, oh, we o- wow. we opened the bar together. Yeah, so That's she dope. she invested That's even in better. Yeah, man. Yeah. it worked out better. No interest. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you had to like shut your mouth for a good couple months, right? Yeah, you had to just like <laughs> yeah. You don't want to snap it back. I put a I put a ring on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. So that. <laughs> That's funny, man. So yeah. like. You had this idea and shit. Obviously, when you go to execution, it doesn't always work out, right? Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it never, never works out the way you're going to so think it's going to work. when you open this bar, you got a huge following. I know you got a large following, so I'm, I'm assuming that on the weekends it was pretty packed. Yeah. And then slamming. was the, your biggest struggle basically the weekdays? Yeah, yeah. So that's we, – we, I wanted to work with like a bunch of different guys just to get everybody talking in the community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like – it was cool when it, it really quickly became like the DJ go to spot. Nice. So it was like, you know, then you had, it was just cool to see, man, like these dudes that I knew forever that like didn't know each other. I, w- I was always into music, so I would go to these like r- little raves or weird parties, but then I'd go to the hip hop spots too or the big clubs, the bougie shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel like a lot of people aren't like that. They don't like all that different stuff. So it was cool to see like different parties that we were having where like, uh, you know, like a DJ select a dude that's been DJing forever. He's hanging out with like, you know, 
a, a bunch of younger kids that like know who he is, but he doesn't know who they were, and they're all connecting and talking. And now they all know each other, and I feel like I helped kind of facilitate that a little bit, which is cool. That's yeah. good. Sounds good. How did you um, organize the nights, and then what nights ended up working and what didn't work? Like yeah. did deep house work, did reggae work? Da, da, da. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, basically, the way the weeks are laid out, and they've been laid out this way since the day we opened. Tuesday night is a service industry night, so mm-hmm. we do. We have a, a resident DJ. We have two resident DJs now, but we started off with one resident DJ. Mm-hmm. And then we have a different guest DJ every week. And they get whoever the guest DJ is, they can play whatever they want. So their guest set is 10 to 12. It's the earlier set. Normally a guest set would be later, but we do it earlier because we let them play kind of whatever they want. Right. And then the resident goes on at midnight and they play for the for the crowd. It's a service kn- industry Because they know exactly they know, like, what the what crowd. Yeah. What, uh, basically, when you do an industry party, right? And I don't know if Vegas does this anymore, but they used to. Like, an industry night in Vegas used to be like, yo, we're going to play music that you don't hear on the weekends as much. Right. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like everything's the same. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of dope cities, a lot of, uh, like, cities with dope DJs, when you go to an industry night, you definitely hear, like, industry music. And you're like, yo, I don't really hear. And it really creates, like, an identity for the city to me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if I go to your city and I see your industry party... And y'all playing the same shit y'all play like on the weekends. It's just kind of like, yo, your city doesn't really have an identity. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like, you know, like, I feel like, uh, what do you call it? Vegas kind of lost that a little bit. Yeah. They used to have, it used to be a little more edgy, right? Yeah. Do you I think so? Like it's important I, no, I agree for with like, you. It, that, I feel like industry parties should have a local presence on the, as far as a DJ, Yeah, but right? when you have like guest DJs like who are just playing like it's, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I could be I, I could be wrong, but I don't know, man. You never you it's, tell me. I mean, I'm, like you said before, it's not the same. It's like I feel like an industry night in Vegas is a, a regular night. You gonna hear the same music you gonna hear on a Friday or Saturday or any. What do you night. think is the? I think is the problem is that they stop having one DJ every week, right? Because because DJs there isn't one DJ in Vegas that's there every week except for friends and at Dre's, right? And five on Thursdays yeah. at Tao. Nah, they, he's they not even there. That. Every, oh, really? Yeah, he's yeah. not. Oh. He's not there every Thursday. So, like, when you have that one DJ there, right, who's controlling the yeah. room, and he's there every week, he just kind of dictates the sound, and he also knows the crowd and the vibe the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you have a different DJ there, it's just gonna you lose that identity, and I think that's one of the problems in Vegas that they stopped doing, except for Dre's on Sunday, which. I think Franz have been doing a great job of, mm-hmm. yeah, and and because of it, it's probably maybe the more busy Sundays, the best party, yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. That, but that's that's cool. So Tuesdays were your industry party, yeah, and then what were Wednesdays? Wednesdays and Thursdays are monthly events. So every Wednesday, you know, every first Wednesday of the month, every second Wednesday of the month, every third Wednesday of the month, it's always a different party. So like right now, first Wednesdays we have these kids. They're called Baseberg, and they do like um, they do. Uh, tech house and g house so it's like it's house all night and what do you do just give them like percentage of bar yep yeah yeah everything's based off the bar sales um so if they bring people in and the nights do well they do well if they don't if the nights don't do well then they don't do well you know right. if i'm not making money they're not making money and i think that's the best way to do, do you it. have a dj budget on top of that it's only the bar sales we have a dj budget on the weekends but on the, for those monthly parties yeah. it's basically up to them to bring their their people out, mm-hmm. you know, and we still have our regulars too that come through and spend money. So right, right, they do pretty well. But um, but yeah, Wednesdays and Thursdays are you know they're different parties every week. 
Um, what are the club hours in Pittsburgh? Is it like Vegas ten, or? Nah, 10 to 2. So we shut everything down at 2 a.m. Uh, yeah. You got you have some after hours, right? Yeah, we have a, they have after hours licenses in Pittsburgh, but they're really weird. You have to stop serving alcohol by 3. And there's only like, right now, I think there's only two spots in the whole city that have that. Do you remember that one time y'all took me to? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I got a good story. Yeah. Uh, you remember this, right? Of course. You know I already know, I I already know where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we were going to get into that. So, I think I was obliterated. I, we, were, we were pretty drunk. I, we both were. Yeah. So Zimmy was there, right? Was Zimmy with us? I don't think Zimmy was there. I know the spot. I mean, I can name all the spots. Okay, like. so like, we I was was it S Bar or was it Wim? No, you were playing at Wim, which Wim. is a huge club. Yeah. So then we were we were toasty, and then you were like, "Yo, let's go to After Hours." Yeah. So I went with you to After Hours. We breezed through the door. I don't. What was that spot? Do you remember? It was called Zen. It was like, it was like a hop, skip, and a jump away from Wim. It was pretty hood, though, right? Or um, was it not? No, nah, it was kind of fancy. Was it kind of a fancy spot? But, but you know, I mean, it's, it it just got it, it was an after hours, so like yeah. the crowd that came was just like a mix of like all the sh- you know all oh, kinds okay, of people, okay. which is <laughs> why. <wild. laughs> <laughs> it's so a good me, story. So me and him, we like walk towards the bar. This dude's saying what up to everybody while we're going through. And I'm just, and I'm like, yo, y'all want drinks? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm about to go up to the bar to get drinks. And some dude is like, I don't know. He's just like leaning on the bar with his arm, but blocking the bar. Yeah. And I was like, yo, fam, can I get through to get a drink? And he's like, what? (laughs) And I don't remember what happened, but he's like, yo, he's like, and I just, I think I started laughing. And I was like, yo, I just want to drink. I don't know what the fuck is all this extra shit for. Yeah. And he's just like, he was like, what? And then he swung at me, and I, like, I didn't duck, but I moved back. Yeah. And then he ended up hitting uh, Nugget right <sighs> in the fucking face, like, oh, in the shit. nose, right? It crushed me. Like, I didn't, I was, like, talking to somebody. Oh, shit. And I kind of saw it happening, and I, right when before that happened, I kind of, like, stepped in. I was like, yo, wait, what's going on? Because it was packed. It was, like, packed. And Crooked just dodged this dude, and I, kept, like, looked out of the way, and he just, mur- he just murdered my so, nose. Like, so, imagine <laughs> if, like like nuggets right across from me yeah. the guy swung at me right with uh-huh. with like a lot of force yeah and then nuggets face was right here jesus so he, he just literally like you caught like oh it was terrible i don't know if you remember but it was my nose like, yeah exploded he didn't break my nose but i was surprised it didn't break it bothered me it for, didn't like, break no nah. did y'all beat him down <gasps> no that the bouncers came in and they like <laughs> took care of it real quick yeah, but they it were, was like fast man it was super fast yeah and they rushed. i even try i would try to i like i remember i try to where i try to I was like, yo, I went yeah. to you, and then I tried to grab him, and the bouncers already got him because yeah. they was like, they already knew Nugget. Yeah. Yo, I swear to God, it was like, there's like someone assassinated the mayor of like Pittsburgh. Yo, <laughs> everyone was like, his phone was blowing up. Everyone was like, are you okay? I swear, it, it probably made the newspapers or something. Yeah. It was, fucking, yo, he. It, it was like the serious. biggest marketing shit like ever. Though. But everyone was like, yo, man, where's that dude? Like everyone was like. They had his back and shit. It did was you get crazy. More, did you get more work out of this? <laughs> no. no, but he did get some. Uh, he did get some. He, he got some like ass at the uh. end of the night. Like, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like texting. Me. I was like, I was. I remember I was like on my way to the airport the next day, or it could be that morning. And I'm like, Yo, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you kept apologizing. I'm, like, I'm so sorry, man. Fault, I'm so dude. sorry. And he was just like, Yo, man, don't worry, man. He's like, Man, it's kind of dope. I was trying to talk to this girl for like. A few weeks, and I finally like you know, I, I finally like landed the deal just because of the, I think because I broke my nose and shit or something. 
That was was funny. that dude just obliterated drunk? Like, yeah, they were annihilated. And the, it was funny. It was a crew like, of them. Yeah, I think it was, it was a, a crew. It was, it was a whole crew of guys, yeah. Yeah. And they ended up, it was a funny because they, I was DJing in another spot maybe like a, I don't know, probably like a week later. And they got like blackballed, the whole crew of dudes from like oh. every spot. Because everybody found out what happened. They were like hitting me up and I'm like, yeah, just don't let those dudes in. And then they ended up coming into one of my gigs. The manager came up and was like, there's these dudes that want to apologize to you. And I'm like, who? And he's like, <laughs> so they came in and they were like, and they were super nice. And I still know them. Like I still, oh, you were, still go yeah, with Yeah, and they were like, yo, we didn't mean to hit you, man. You know. And now I was like telling them about you. I'm like, man, I had a DJ from fucking Las Vegas here. Like, you guys are acting like idiots. You know what I mean? So, but that was a funny story. I'm trying yeah. to think if I said anything to like make it worse, but yeah. I can't remember. Nah, I'm sure he, he's just being. He probably drink. did, man. He was, <laughs> he was drunk. He was drinking. Uh, <laughs> he probably said some shit. <laughs> no, I think I was like, "Yo, can I get to the bar, fam?" Like, and he was like, "What?" And I was, I'm trying to think if I was like, "Yo," like, I was like, "Yo, I didn't know you owned the bar." I said probably something like, "Yo, See, do you own the bar and shit?" Then why yeah. are you blocking the fucking bar like you own the shit? That's I hilarious. could have said that, but I don't think I did. <laughs> I think maybe Zimmy was there. Now I'm thinking about. I think it. Zimmy I was because like he was freaking out. Yeah, I think you guys like. I think he like grabbed you and like got you out of there or some shit. Yeah, Zimmy's like super peace, man. Yeah. He's like seven. Like he's like a huge giant, but he's just like all tatted up and shit. <laughs> he looks like a scary motherfucker, but you know. Yeah, I met him like, man, like 2009 or 10. Yeah, because I don't know for whatever reason he was out here, and it was during the time he was working for Scion. Yeah, I, I, probably, I, met met, him then. I probably met you then too. I bet probably. That's yeah, uh, world, man. Zimmy is like that type of dude. You be talking to him, and he just pull out like a little mouse and just start petting it <laughs> out of his pocket. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Zimmy just pull out like a mouse and just like, yo, who you, who's that? That's funny. You, yeah, it's my mouse. I got the best. I got the best Sean Perry story ever. Yeah, Sean Perry's in Pittsburgh one time. Zimmy's never drank. He's like never had a drink, sip of alcohol in his life. Really? Do you know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah. That. So, Sean, um, he came into town and Zimmy wasn't there. We were supposed to both supposed to open for him. Zimmy got booked or something to do something else, and I opened for Sean. And then we were hanging out afterwards at Permanis. Sean Perry's. He's all drunk and he's like. How does Zimmy not drink, man? Like, I can't even hang out with that dude, man. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, how could you DJ and not have a drink? He's like, I don't, I can't, I don't know if I could fuck with Zimmy anymore. Just like funny, <laughs> like you know, just drunk talk. But it was so funny. Uh, Zimmy, what do you call it? Zimmy, he smokes weed though, right? He does something, right? I think he does now. Yeah. 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 He was like such a straight ace. Like. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he does like. He lives in Portland, so I feel like he does like. You know, CBD gummy bears or some shit. You gotta do something know. crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I remember I I went to Portland for a gig and I was hanging with him and he took me to some spot and it took like an hour to get like a cup of coffee and like a sandwich. It was crazy, Damn. but it was good. Yeah, but it's like I don't <laughs> get that hipsters. city. Yeah, I don't get that city at all. It's it's crazy, but um, I don't know, man. I I, I love talking about like entrepreneurship and like yeah. the business of the whole bar shit is, has there has there ever been a time where you had to debt a party or you had to change it and rethink it and you were losing money or oh yeah. yeah 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 some of the monthly events yeah didn't work out um i'm not gonna name any names but yeah we've definitely was had it because like, of the music or just the following didn't it didn't come through the people i don't know like we there was a couple nights that we tried that i thought were gonna be they were thought we were going to be dope. But, like, I, I mean, a lot of times you see the effort that the people put into it, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I see the guys that really, like, work on their nights. 
mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other guys that just kind of they just go with the flow and like it's just something for them to do and they you know what I mean like they're not all full time DJs that's a thing like mm-hmm. it's just something for them to like they throw this party once a month and like if people show up it's cool and if they don't you know they'll they'll, they'll live another day but for me it's like nah you know like I want the yeah I only have so many nights a week you know yeah. so we try to make them the best but yeah you know I don't know there's definitely been some parties that I had the dead though I've had like. Like we've had me and Evan like have thrown parties for new, and we've done like a, a couple like I don't know was it weekly? Some of them were weekly, right? We do like I a remember, monthly. I remember and a weekly. that. I think we a monthly. We never did a weekly. Do we? Yeah, maybe a no. monthly. Where'd a monthly. Guys, where'd you guys do those? I remember those. We used to do a couple of them anywhere from Jet to like Ghost Bar to like uh, we did a bunch like for Matt like when the Magic Show would hit yeah. we would have, mm-hmm. but. As much as I wouldn't want to be that dude that micromanages the DJs, I would do like I would go up to DJs and be like, "Yo, like, can we? Yeah, like, can you play like more like this?" Yeah, and I ended up being that asshole that I didn't want to be. Yeah, and now we know, have the club, and I, I end up doing that. You end up doing yeah. that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was hoping you'd say that because I didn't want to be the only dick. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, that. Ghost Bar. We tried that. Yeah, that, we that did was, it weekly. Was it weekly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On but I remember, like, it was I would, Wednesday, right? Yeah, I would remember. I would go up to some of the DJs, and be like, "Yo, like, you're, you're playing a little like too like weekend right now, like Vegas. Like, let's get back into some other shit." Yeah. Is it hard to resist the urge to just play yourself, or like, be like, "Yo, I got this." Like, Sometimes, this. yeah. <laughs> when we first opened the club, we were trying to save money. To be straight up honest, mm-hmm. I had, we'd just blown so much money on it, and um, I started playing on Fridays, like the early set, and we always had somebody that would play like a later set. You know, but uh, it, you know, it just helped us with the with the budget, with mm-hmm. the DJ budget. Um, but yeah, you know, it's de- I mean, there's definitely times where I'm like, I want to jump on. Yeah. yeah, I played my first full Saturday night there like a month ago. I had a blast. Like it was just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but I have my, it's my boy PDC, DJ PDC. He's an amazing DJ. He plays on Saturday nights at the club, and you know he smashes it. Like I don't ever give him a hard time. So yeah. what's his name? Uh, I ran into Pete Butter. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, from uh, Pittsburgh. He moved to and New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, actually, I was going to bring his name up. He was our Tuesday night resident at the Goldmark. Uh, he was the guy I was talking about earlier. But, yeah, yeah, he's in New York now. Pittsburgh's like a small fucking city because y'all got like a, a couple of like uh, a dudes like Pete Butter. Um, what, what would you say? He's like the next generation, kind of like you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then um, then you got like uh, John Geiger, right? Yeah. Is am I saying his last name right? I yeah. was fucking one. John Geiger's from Pittsburgh. Yep. Big sneakerhead, and he was managing. Uh, I forgot what football player he was managing. Darrell Revis. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, that's right. Darrell was from Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he he brings a couple like joints back. Like he would have some parties there or some oh, yeah. releases and shit like that. And then um, who was that other? There's that store that I remember that opened when I would go out there. Four four twelve. Oh yeah, shop four one two. Four one two. Yeah, yeah. And they're still doing. They're still. They're like, I think they're pushing like the strongest, like Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers merch, yeah. right? Uh, Pirates. Pirates, Yeah, too. they work with the Pirates, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, That's they crazy. have like billboards in the city with like their logo next to the Pirates logo. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. Like That's really, nuts. really crazy, yeah. Wow, wow. That's yeah. great, man. Yeah. They kind of found their groove a few years ago and they're just running with it now. So. Nice. Dope. That's dope. Yeah, they, I remember when I opened New, they opened, they had like this, you know, they had like a boutique and it was 412. Yeah. And then there was like this buzz on their T-shirts, which is basically the area code, right? For yeah. Pittsburgh four one two. 
So they would have four one two, but it would look like uh, this. What is it? Is it the Pirates or the Steelers? It would look like the Steelers. It right? looks kind of both. Like it has like the star, one of the little stars from the Steelers logo, mm -hmm. and then the the way that the the way the logo is designed, it kind of looks like like the you know the city. But they were selling a ton of those T-shirts and hats. Tons. And I think that was like holding their store down. If anything, yeah, yeah, yeah that was like their major merch was just this this one this one four one two uh, T-shirt that yeah, was like the yeah. area code, and it just like everyone. Would come into town for the games and just buy that shit. Like Damn. everyone was repping that oh, shit. Yeah. And obviously it got so big that they fucking started working with the pirates. So wow. yeah, they're killing. It. I was just with them with them the other night. They're they're killing it. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So now you got the bar, and was there ever times where it was just doing really bad, or was uh, it? Yeah, we've had ups and downs. Um, or has it always been progressive, pretty much? So because I remember the first, I think the first two years of new, what it basically. We lost money. Yeah, we didn't we break. Was, we didn't break even till the third year. Yeah, we was putting in money. We kept putting in our own money. Yeah, yeah. The first wasn't making years. the money. Yeah. So, not so much with the bar, but we we are seeing that with the club more. Like we're just starting to kind of turn a corner with the club. And I mean, it's only been seven months, so I can't really like complain. Right. But there were definitely like. We'd have crazy big nights, and then I'd be, like, taking all the money to just pay off somebody that helped us with the lighting or sound mm -hmm. or something. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, I feel you. And your business is – I mean, you guys are in a tough business too. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I regret is expanding. Oh. I think – and I think in this day and age, and we were just talking about this, when you expand, you you have to delegate and you have to have a strong team. Yeah. And if you don't have a strong team, things will fall apart. And I think in my case, I'm, I think, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? I'm one of those uh, those owners where I do almost everything, where it's like the company's dependent on the owner kind of a little bit for like designs, marketing, media, and all that shit. So that's like the worst kind of company you can have because it limits the expansion of any company, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> but I can only imagine, like I, like I said, a dive bar. I feel like kind of runs itself a little bit. When you go into a nightclub, it requires so much marketing. Yeah. It requires so much so many people to execute a certain thing and like there's so much liability and it's one of those things when we expanded, I spent most of my time in operations and management and HR than I did in any of the creative departments. Right. When and the problem was is that my company was dependent on the creative side and when that's only when i only have time throughout my day to put in 15 to 20 percent of that in it's like it's really it's kind of a thing where you start thinking like man am i working for my employees or right. are my employees working yeah. for me it's like yeah. you're gonna see a lag in some aspect of the business no matter what it is whenever, right whenever you're handling all that and i'm speaking to a lot of other business owners and they're just kind of like yeah like we don't we regret expanding and we're actually trying to downsize so we can get back to like doing what we love yeah and not worrying about employees because i'm having a hell of a fucking time with <laughs> staff and employees and hr like it's crazy and i and i thought it was a vegas thing but it seems that I'm going. I just came from Sacramento, and my boy Joe, who uh, who who actually runs, uh, manages uh, the park in Sacramento, but the, that company owns a whole bunch of restaurants, a shit ton of restaurants, and everything. I think he was telling me they got a staff of like 600 or something. Jeez. He said they had like a they had a job fair, and they they had like 1,200 people come through, and they only hired like eight eight or ten. 
out of 1200 it was crazy it's and insane. there's people like i was saying there's people on their phone during the interview yeah there's people like uh he has staff that like you know that quit just to go to coachella it's like a different generation and we were talking about it like what is it a generational thing yeah what like what is it you know I, what i mean i truly think it is you think it is 100 percent. yeah just i mean you see it i don't know they're not it's almost like the work ethic isn't there. We're trying to find out what motivates them. Yeah. Because they're not motivated by money. Was it motivated hmm. by fame? Or motivated by notoriety <sighs> through social media? Because, I mean, I would never think to go to an interview and be on my phone. That's pretty That's insane. really disrespectful. That's like, yeah. I would leave my phone in the car or maybe have it on silent. I don't know, something. like It wouldn't even come out of my pocket at an interview. I think they... I think they know. I think they're sm- like kids nowadays are smart. This generation's smart. I don't yeah. think they see a future in any job. They see a future in marketing themselves. Yeah. yeah. Like them being the brand. So they don't want to work for a brand. Do you know what I mean? Are they smart? Or they just have more access to things. Well, it's like, yo, know, like you know no one I mean? wants to be identified as a male man. No one wants to be right. identified by as a, as a UPS worker. Right. So even though if you are a UPS worker, or you are janitor or whatever the fuck you are you work at starbucks you don't want that to be your identity because and nowadays it's a it's depressing right they want the glamour they yeah. want the glamour so at some point even if you are star you work at starbucks you can't show that so you have to create another identity or another something mm-hmm. on instagram and that becomes to define who you are and if I could be wrong, even if you're broke living at your mom's house, you can still have another identity on Instagram. Right. And that's all that matters. Yeah. So I think kids realize, like, I, as long as it looks like I'm enjoying life, I'm okay with being broke. So they identify with celebrity. They don't identify with hard work. I don't know. I don't, I don't know because there are kids out there that are ready to work. Yeah. That see, like, yo, this is bullshit and I need to make money. Or we need to do something. It's just, it's a different time right now. So, like, I, I don't know what people's purpose are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, like, my purpose was always to make money. And if I could do what I love and make money, that's incredible, right? Yep. If I could DJ, like, you know, never, you used to work three jobs, right? Yeah. If you could just DJ alone, the, the, the day you could DJ alone, mm-hmm. and that was the only thing you had to do, I mean, I'm, you, I'm sure you were just like, yo, man, I can't believe this. Yeah. Right, it was a different. Yeah, it's totally different. And because I, I was working at UPS and and like right out, I would DJ f- till like four a.m. and then I would work at UPS at six a.m. Yeah, and I work at UPS till like I don't know, like eleven, eleven or twelve p.m. You know what I'm saying? And then I would yeah. sleep and then I would just grind out. You know. But my whole thing is like, didn't you feel like you had to do that back then? Like I, I mean, I had full time jobs that were like the it was worst like jobs normal. ever. It was yeah. like a normal thing. It yeah, was, you didn't think twice about it it was just like yeah. well, do, you do the job in the daytime you had to make a living yeah and then anything else was extracurricular right you focus yeah. on your passions on your off time now exactly. it's now yeah. the number one thing is your passion right right and it's then, like how can i monetize this and, but, and like i you need to put all of your attention in the passion but then it's like making a living it's like well i could just stay with my mom or i could just figure it out yeah. i could do uber like a couple hours a day but i guess what i'm saying is like Back whenever we were younger, um, what I was saying earlier was, like, I had a shitty job. I worked at an aluminum railing factory at one point where I was just, like, shipping things and cleaning metal. He was the worst job ever. But it was just, like, I did that for eight hours a day. Then I came home. Then I DJed. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I, w I worked on DJing when I was not at my day job. It was just like what you were saying with the kid on his cell phone. It's like, put your fucking phone down. Do that whenever you go home from your interview. You right, know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. But that's like that mentality like isn't there anymore. I, 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 so you got to blame the parents, right? Somewhat. Yeah, I think so. You can't so. blame the kids. I, I think, think so. the parents fucked up. Yeah. I think so. What do you think it is? Just so parents telling their kids it's like, like the 90 babies or... When you can like you can be whatever you want. Yeah. Or these dudes they, they when parents started trying to be like best friends with their kids. That's bad. I've seen both sides of it. And like the the friends I had, even in my generation, that had parents that were like their friends, they didn't really it didn't really work out. Yeah. Like I I have like friends that like because I went to a Catholic school that was like really, really um it would cost a lot of money to go. But I went because I was on a sports scholarship. So um, I still had to pay, but it wasn't as much as some of these kids. I mean, like, a lot of these kids, like, parents were, like, working for, like, BET and, like, running companies. And they, like, were, like, their best friends. Like, their parents never disciplined them. Like, they they had maids. Oh, and, shit. like, they were, like, entitled. Let them stay out yeah, all night. And then, like, as, no we, as we continue to grow older, they still had that entitled mentality. So they never really put in work. For anything it's but where are they now though not doing well some yeah. of them are in jail um some really? of them so, uh, a couple of them like have had some really really bad run-ins with the law um, even though they had that uh yeah that uh like some of them are like literally still like living even like, though they had that catered childhood yeah wow and it's really? fucked up to to see for me to see that for me to see them like being 14 15 and having the world handed to them to being in their mid-30s and still like depending on a parent it's just kind of weird it's fucked up. But the kids that I did know that had to grind and maybe came from less, they're all doing well. Or doing something that they like can see a future in or like they're they're like supporting themselves and maybe helping their families, you know? Wow. It's bad. Like I hundred percent agree with that too. I mean I have one homeboy that literally he he like lives his wife is like does very well. He doesn't work. But he was he grew up rich. Mm. And so he like found a woman that kind of like tr treats him the same way that his parents did. That sounds nice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't work. Like he like is like a house husband kind of oh, man. So, hey. damn, I want to do that. <laughs> hey, I actually got a me. homie that's kind of the same way. It's yeah, like, I'm just, like the wife. Like, could you really? Care. Could you really imagine not working? Though? I don't know. I mean. I have this conversation a lot I could actually. Have, I, like if you if you oh if somebody was like if somebody was like here's all this money, would you do you really think that you still wouldn't do any of this shit? Cuz I I'd, guarantee you would. I'd want to try it for like 2 months. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> You'd get so bored though, you know, like You know what it, I I love looking at some of the like uh, some of the DJs on Instagram. I love looking at their stories when like it's just like uh damn they have so much free time. Where oh, they yeah. where they can document like I would never think to be I w first of all like I don't even have time to just be like you'll never you want to go uh, you know let's go let's go shopping let's get some clothes like I would <laughs> that's, that's not, I can't even fathom that like right you're like and then yeah why don't we hit up this dude and grab lunch like that, that yeah. doesn't come to my head like it pause I mean it doesn't like it doesn't like. It, it's not doesn't register it doesn't register so when i see it i'm like wow like that's that's incredible like that's insane <laughs> like i look at these dudes and they're like chilling all day they're chilling all day and yeah. they're like they're buying 
they're buying sneakers. They they're hanging out. They're like drinking boba it's with like, friends and doing nothing. I'm just like, yo, this is awesome, man. It's like you kind of get jealous a little bit. You're just like, damn, man, yeah. I want to do this shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do look at it like that, but I also I also think uh, when when I do meet some of these dudes, they're like kind of delusional. Like they're not aware. They're not very aware of what's what's going on. <laughs> right. But it's kind of like the Matrix. Remember, like, the ball dude in the Matrix was like, I don't want to fucking know. He was like, put yeah. me back in the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little like that a little bit. Like, I wouldn't mind being in the Matrix for, like, two months, yeah. three months. <laughs> make me an actor. Remember, he was like, make me an actor. I want to be rich. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I wouldn't mind that shit. Because <laughs> it's yo, it's it's. I mean, you you know, with with the with having your bar and your club, it doesn't stop. Yeah. And do you have those things where you wake up in the middle of the night because you're thinking about something oh, that yeah. you didn't do? Oh, it's all the time. It sucks when it becomes a part of your life, and that, that's the one thing that I, I kind of worry about is: am I addicted to the stress? Yeah. Do you yeah. ever think about that? Yeah. So. I don't know, man. Like I'm in that place. I think a part of it is like I don't. I haven't seen you DJ yet, and I want to sure. come tonight. But for Crooked, I think his life is a mirror of how he, how he DJs. Like he's super focused. Yeah. When he DJs, right. And you can't really, you don't really want to bother him while he's DJing, even just to say what's up. He's zoomed in, and I think he lives his life like that too. Yeah. With the business side. 100%, which I respect. 100%. Yeah, yeah I respect that because he's so focused and it it makes him who he is as a DJ and as a man. I think that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. First first of all, I don't like people talking about me while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I, gotta, I have another good crooked story. When I, when the first time I met you, you came to S-Bar. Yeah. And we, we, we grabbed a drink or something and I was like, I'm going to play before you. I don't think even think Zimmy was there at the time. I can't remember if he was there or not. But... You, I played for like a half hour, and you came up and you were like, "Yo, is it cool if I jump on now?" Yeah. You were the only DJ that ever did that, and I was like, "What do you mean? What do you want to go on early? Because we were gonna put you on from midnight till two. Yeah. And you were like, "Nah, man, I like to play like longer sets. I want to warm up and like feel yeah, the yeah. feel the room out. And like, I'm I'm from New York, so I'm used to the, playing this long. But I had a lot of respect for that because I was like, I I'm kind of like that. Like, I don't even like to be in the spot. I want to just play. I'm yeah. like, I'll play for, for six did hours. You, did you let him get on? on? Uh, yeah, he went on early that night. Yeah, he a played three of, hours. A, a lot of people uh, are insulted by that. Yeah, see, I didn't. I got where you were coming from. Like, it made sense to me. I've had to, openers tell me like, "You're supposed to get on at 12. and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna get on." Yeah, a little early, and they're like, "Well, I, I don't know about that." And I'm just, I just look at them like, "You're gonna get paid either way." Yeah, like, what the right fuck? Yeah. If, yeah. If I was opening and someone said like, "Yo, I want to get on now," I'd be like, "Yo, word, get on." Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, you know, do your thing. And I'm not getting on. Sometimes I get on because the open is really bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's very rare for me. I mean, it's not very rare, but I'm just saying, like, most of the time I get on because I, like, I'm, I'm like, slightly nervous. And I want to feel the crowd out. Yeah. And then I just want to, like, reassure myself that, like, oh, okay, I'm understanding the crowd. I'm ready. Like, you know, and I'm getting in the mood and whatever like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like I four, totally get it's it. like foreplay. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't want to just yeah come in and start banging away. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I want to warm that shit up. Yeah. But you guys, you and Zimmy would have some of the best fucking opening sets at uh, S Bar. Thanks, man. 
to the point where I would remember some of the songs that you guys would play, and I'd be like, damn, I didn't know this worked. I remember one of the songs that I, I heard was the um, fucking Mariah Carey Jay-Z song. Heartbreaker? Heartbreaker, Heartbreaker yeah. but the remix, the remix with the Ain't No Fun. Yeah. And they yeah. opened with that, and the fucking crowd, all the girls screamed, and I was like, damn. And they did a, another Mariah Carey song, and I was like, damn. And I was like, I got to do a Mariah Carey set. Yeah, so now, yeah. like, to that day, since that day, I was like, yo, Mariah Carey, <laughs> it be hitting home for some of these chicks, man. Like, they yeah. be hearing that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys had some awesome fucking sets, Thanks, man. man. That means a lot. Uh, did you guys identify yourselves in Pittsburgh more to the East Coast? Yeah. Definitely, right? Definitely, without a doubt, yeah. And did you guys, basically, do you guys consider yourself Philly? Like a second Philly or not really? Not really, no. No? Nah? Is there like not, a, a friendly rivalry with Philly or is it nah, like... It's just, Philly's just so much bigger than Pittsburgh that mm. it's not even like a thing. Oh, okay. Know? If there was any kind of rivalry, rivalry it would be Pittsburgh-Cleveland because mm. the cities are only two hours away from each other. So like that's the big football rivalry, yeah. you know, like the Browns and the Steelers. Even though the Browns have never done anything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But um, but you're not gonna find no Eagles fans in, no, in Pittsburgh. No. I mean, yeah. they're they're there. My wife. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah. Like growing up, I use hip hop as a reference constantly. Yeah. But yeah, it was. I mean, I grew up on Wu Tang, Beastie Boys, you know, Mob Deep, mm-hmm. all that. So yeah. mostly like New York rap. Yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't a big fan. No offense. I wasn't a huge fan of like West Coast hip hop until like I got a little bit older. You know. Yeah. Same here. Don't, don't yeah. be offended. Yeah. But like in Pittsburgh, <laughs> it's like such a weird thing. But does up. like hyphy work in Pittsburgh? Does any of that shit? Yeah. Or is, it, is it like yeah, a little bit? I remember it was very East Coast. It was almost like a second New York when I would DJ there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jigga was big. Yeah, but I was asking about Philly because I was wondering if y'all felt some type of way about Meek Mill. No. No. Y'all, y'all don't identify yourselves like Gail Meek as a part of Philly and Pennsylvania and then every all of us, nah? Nah, not really. Cause More it's so, so. It's the whole way across the state. That's the thing. Like it's, it's, Philly is the same distance away as New York City from Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So, like, you know, I've been to Philly. I mean, I've been to Philly a lot, but I've been to New York ten times more than I've been to Philly. You know what wow. I mean? So it wasn't even like a, yeah. But, I mean, we, you know, the city loves Meek Mill, like. I think maybe a little bit. A little like if bit. If you're a big hip hop fan, you're definitely there. Might be that little bit of a pride, like he's from PA. Mm-hmm. But um, do y'all have a pride for any artist like that y'all have there? Pretty much, I, I would say the Wiz and Mac Wiz? for sure. Yeah. Does Wiz yeah. ever come back and do shit or not? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 He was. He played a big show last fall. It was like huge. It was like a local <coughs> company that like put it on. It was like a festival. Yeah. Wiz played, and I think he took like a big pay cut to do that, which is cool. It was, was in, it was in his old neighborhood that he grew up in. Was, was you familiar with him before he blew up? Yeah. 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 There was, um, yeah, I mean, it's a long story, but yeah. I used to break dance, too. That was, I was big into dancing back in the day. And whenever I was, whenever I was break dancing, there, were the, there was like a group of, uh, there were like a couple of different hip-hop groups in the city. Mm-hmm. And basically one of those groups, um, the producers for those groups, uh, for one of the main groups that was called Strict Flow, he started a, a, a studio called ID Labs. And that's where, like, all, all those artists came out of that studio. His name's Edan, and um, you know they built this like huge following within the city, and it was cool because it was like you, know, it was like I grew up there, and I like you know it never really happened. I never really saw that before. Mm-hmm. So when they all started bubbling, it was cool to see the city like you know piling on that. Like yeah. all the DJs started playing their stuff. It was cool. It's like a different wave that I'd never seen there before. What? So go ahead. 
The local rap scene, like, was it yeah. pretty big, like, during that time? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's, then Wiz just kind of happened to be the guy that came out of that? Yeah, and I, I gotta be honest, like, I don't even know if uh, people saw it coming, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, they, the dude that was behind it, the, the, the Edan, I think he knew the business really well. Like, he had done records, like, um, he had been on, he had, you know, he'd worked in, like, corporate, um, the music industry a little bit mm -hmm. so you know and I, I could be totally wrong by saying this but I think he knew the business side a little bit better than your average Joe that's trying to put on an artist mm -hmm. so they really like they had this whole movement behind Wiz and it worked I mean it just worked it was pretty crazy it was the see. black and yellow song that really blew him up or yeah that was probably like the biggest you know but he had he songs had something before, else before that. that yeah yeah say yeah say yeah when yeah. he had a totally different image I remember that yeah I think the cover he had like a cardigan sweater yeah, and like a, yeah, like a he was wearing some He had like wavy hair, like a low cut Caesar. Yeah, it's a and that, completely <laughs> different. What's look. crazy is like when that song came out, he was probably like seventeen, mm. so he right. was really young. Wow. And I mean, at that time, I was probably, I don't know, I was probably like pushing thirty. So <laughs> it was cool to see a young cat coming up, like really mm. making noise in well, the city. Black and black and yellow got to be an anthem in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, it's, I mean it's still yeah. Is, they yeah. played at the Steelers game still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It can yeah. be it can come across corny almost sometimes because it's so played. In really, the city. Yeah. it just depends. Like it's almost it's funny. We were just talking about this recently. It's almost been there were a couple of years like where you didn't play it too much, and now it's like when you throw it on, it's like it's like a it's, you know it's like a feel good anthem all over again. You know? Oh really? Yeah, and it's big during sports too. Obviously, yeah. like <laughs> when the Steelers are playing and shit. It's funny because when I look at that record, I don't even I don't remotely see it as corny. But uh, I guess when you're hearing it all the time everywhere, it becomes like a we will we will rock yeah, you like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't mean corny, but yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like it was so played. Yeah. Like, I mean. Especially being from Even there. out here it was so played, but like imagine there. Like, it, oh, I mean, the yeah. whole city is black and <laughs> yellow. Like, everything. Like, <laughs> it was out of control for like, I could imagine, like, probably like when In the Club came out in New York, it was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I don't think that's ever been nah, whack. It never, no? got, never was whack. No. It I mean, it never got repetitive. <laughs> it never got, no, not at all. Damn. Maybe a little bit. You think so? A little bit. For a while, well, I had left like New York touch it. Yeah, we didn't touch it for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel what you're saying. I love it when you guys have the the talks about songs too, because I'm I I agree with everything you say. Like you guys on the one episode you were talking about in the club. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, man, like when that came out, song, that right? was like, it was just like epic, crazy. Yeah. Like the the whole momentum behind that song. Yeah, I because we would do and like still. we would like we would play Poison. Poison's still big. I mean, but back then, like in 2002, 2003, 2001, what was it like? We would do Michael Jackson sets. Michael Jackson sets would be big. Yeah. Prince would be Prince big. Prince sets. Yeah. But there was nothing like when you played in the club, mm. and then you had to play it like five times throughout the night, like Damn. crazy. And then people were just giving you money to play it again. <laughs> no. It's like where the staff, <laughs> so crazy. the staff would like hate me, like at, in New York, like the bartenders would you fucking it so hate much? me. Because yeah. And it's then, wild. Yeah. But, I mean, it was never. I like, remember that was one of the first songs that I started playing multiple times in a night. Because our, our nights aren't, weren't as long as your nights in New York. But in a four hour set, I would never play songs twice. I would wait to play the bigger songs later in the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that song specifically was like, I remember Bonnox, he was like, he worked on the radio and we, we had gigs together and he would play some of the big songs like early in the night if we had an early crowd. And I'd be like, why are you playing these fucking songs? Like, wait till later to play these songs. And he's like, no, man. They want to hear the fucking song right now. Like, play the song now and then play it again later whenever they're all, 
you know, gooned up. I'm that like, that sounds like right. an excuse. His excuse just to play that song. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's open. Yeah. So you won't get mad. It's like, come on, man. But you yeah. know what, man? I, I will say, like, when you when you have, like, a, a hip-hop party, like an actual hip-hop hip hip party, like an all-hip-hop party, uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. you can just play songs multiple times throughout yeah. the night. I, I hear, like, I'll, I'll go to different cities, and if it's, like, an all-hip-hop party, like a predominantly black party, like, yo, they'll be playing shit prime, like, in opening and in prime time. You could keep playing it again. You could yeah. just, like, run that shit again yeah. one more time. And they just they just with it. They just want to hear, like, their shit. You know? yeah. yeah. L.A.'s like that now. Is it? Yeah. You can play, like, like, I heard a dude play Big Bank, like, early. And I was like, damn, like, that's like a prime time record now. I don't know if I would have played that at, like, 11, 30, 12. But How long ago was this? Maybe, like, three weeks ago. Cause I feel like it's more prime time now than it yeah. was. But I think in LA, because they were on it so fast, mm-hmm. it was prime time like right when it came out. Oh, okay. But I, I know what you're saying. Like now, like out here, like it's like getting, getting yeah the momentum. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I saw that shit. And I was they're like, doing that in LA right now. Yeah, man. Does a you own the club, right? Do, yeah. do you feel like when do people start showing up? Uh, like after eleven. After eleven. Yeah. We open L- it. We open at nine. Sometimes there won't be one person in the club till like ten thirty. L.A. is like no one's there till like 11, 30, 12. I would say later, later. than that, like twelve thirty. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because and I it's mean, done it too, right? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> last wild. call is like one thirty. That's wild. I man. don't know how L.A. clubs make money, man. They literally have an hour to like really like Just, an hour and a half to really fucking yeah. sell bottles, yeah, and like sell liquor. And it's like balls to the walls in that one hour, hour and a half. Yeah, our biggest struggle with the club is getting people to come in early. Like, mm-hmm. that's our biggest thing. Right now, like, that's constantly what we're working on. Like, what can we do? Jesus. You know? So. Do you do you, do you, you kind of regret opening? Like, do you kind of, like, which is like, oh, my God, this is such a headache? With the club? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. for sure. It, it was a crazy story because I have a partner in the club. He's another DJ friend that owns uh-huh. another bar on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And he brought the thing to me and it was through another guy and he was like would you be interested in doing this and i go no <laughs> he's like come on like you didn't even hear it i'm like dude i have no interest in opening a nightclub right now like things were just starting to get into like full swing with my bar you know and he was like well what if i told you it was x amount of dollars and i was like wow that would be crazy but i don't believe you and he was like what if i get the lawyer to send you the paperwork and the next week we look it over and i was like dude if you can get these numbers to what you say they are I was like, I'll open a fucking club. So sure enough, then a week went by and the lawyer sent the paperwork over and it was the number, it was all the numbers. And it was just a crazy story because our club's in this old church um, in the South side, which is like a super popping neighborhood. And it needed a bunch of work. Like we had to do a bunch of stuff to make it a club. It was a bar, but it needed a bunch of work. But the guy that owned the building, we, we leased the building off of him. And he's, he's like super paid. He has, like, a bunch of different businesses. He's in oil and gas, does a bunch of different stuff. He has crazy money. But he um, he basically, like, liked my partner enough to be like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have this bar. You know, he's like, if you want to do something with it, I'll give you, like, the deal of a lifetime. So when my partner brought it to me, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't believe you. So when I saw the numbers, I was like, holy shit, man. He really wants to help this dude out. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do it without me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, we'll do it. So we did it. I mean – and it's dope. I mean, the place is great. Like, it's a super fun room. Like, is your biggest issue is just staff? Mm. 
Oh, it's like a combination of a, a bunch, bunch of different of stuff. stuff. Our staff, I mean, we have a great staff. I don't want to yeah. like talk shit on my staff. Mm-hmm. We have a great staff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had ups and downs with some of the employees, mm-hmm. you know, just like any business, you know. Like I said, I think we have like 50 employees. So it's hard to like manage. Um, for me, I've never had to manage 50 people. Like I, it's just, you know, and it was just like one day we didn't have 50 people working, the next day we're open and then you have 50 employees. Right. So it's like, you know, it's a lot to take on and when you don't have that experience of managing that many people. So it's kind of like a learning process for me anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, most of my, like my the whole thing, like where I come in is basically like the marketing side, design, uh, the DJs, mm-hmm. the budget, the, you know, I, we do, a, you know, I kind of have my fingers and everything, but I would say those are the biggest things. So I'm constantly trying to figure out like, you know, I, I came, when I opened the, the gold mark, the smaller bar, I kind of like drew back from the whole like club world and bottle service and all this different stuff. So him and I, we, whenever we opened the club, it was like, um, I was like, I don't even really want to do the bottle service thing. Cause I was seeing all these places open in New York and DC and these cool spots that just had like a dope ass sound system. They were bringing in talent and it was just like a party. And right. I, that's how I love that. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's more of my vibe. I, I didn't have any experience working with like bottle service and, you know, dealing with like it's, VIP It's kind of hosts dying and, a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. And I saw that. I saw that. And I tried to convey that to him, but we, we ended up deciding to do it because there was a, there was a gap in Pittsburgh's market for that. There was only one club open whenever we opened. One club in, open in the whole city is like fucking crazy. Right. So we were like, let's do this. It's a, it's a good size room. <clears throat> so we went for it and it, you know, it's working. But it's a constant, like, every week. Like, when I leave here, that's all I'm going to work on until I, till I go to the gig tonight. How many uh, nights are y'all open at that club? Just two. Just so two? We're, yeah, we're open Fridays and Saturdays, and then we're open every um, last Sunday of the month. We do, do you, a big service industry party. Do you feel like you have to bring in artists or any type of, you know, draws? Not, no? Not really, no. So we've since we opened, we brought in two acts. We brought in Jazzy Jeff, and that crushed. It sold out. It was great. But the, pro- the biggest problem that we have, the room isn't that big. So we have a th- it's a 300-person club. It's not that big. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's two floors. So, like, when we brought Jeff in, we sold tickets. We had to, you know, to get his booking rate. And um, it sold out, and the bar did okay. But, like, I didn't make a dollar that night, you know. Mm-hmm. And the club was packed, and it was, I mean, it was, like, lying down the street. It was insane. And then the second guy that we brought in was... Um, was uh, Grand Theft. I don't know if you know guys. Yep. Know Grand yeah. Theft. Yeah. 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 He was a really dope DJ. I brought him in years ago before he was like on the production side. He has a big side. following too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that night wasn't that crazy. Like we did okay. And a lot of people were like, you should have done this uh, all ages or 18 and over. Mm. And then, you know, it's like my gears start spinning, but then that changes your insurance. I mean, it's just so much different stuff yeah. that you have to like worry about and deal with if you're not doing 21 and over. Right. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we're kind of still like kicking things around, deciding where we want to go with it. We're talking about bringing some other people in, some other artists in, but we just don't know exactly like what lane we want to focus on. But it's working the way you guys are doing it right now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The nights are good. You know, we have like an up and coming DJ on Fridays that made a really good name for himself. He's really young. He's like twenty three i think wow what's his name uh, you want to yeah yeah dj alex rivera yeah <laughs> shout out to alex <laughs> um yeah so he's he's great you know and he taps into a whole community of people that like you know i don't have my finger on the pulse of the right of the 21 year olds anymore <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i always mm-hmm. say it but like as djs like we constantly get older and the crowd constantly gets younger right so mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to maintain that's uh yeah. i was also wondering like as far as uh like the music goes 
yeah. are you guys seeing a backlash like oh we can't play Kanye or we can't play this or that or or is there any weird shit going on over there nah 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 and I thought there might be yeah I thought we would see that there's some certain cities that I go to and it's like you know obviously we've talked about it before about like R. Kelly and all that yeah. shit like, yeah. oh actually I do have a really good R. Kelly story this <laughs> <laughs> is actually really funny so uh I was playing at the Goldmark on a Saturday, and one of my really good friends works in uh, TV and movies in New York, and he was in Pittsburgh shooting something with, um, filming for Ben Stiller. And Ben Stiller came to our bar and hung out. Wow. He, yeah, so he was in town for a couple of weeks, and he kept coming through, like, all the time. It was really dope to have him in there, and, like, nobody bothered him. It was cool, like, uh, but the one night he's playing, my, my friend's favorite artist in the world is R. Kelly, and he just thinks he's hilarious. So he was like, can you play Ignition for me? He's like, Ben wants to hear Ignition. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I play Ignition, and this girl comes up to the side of the booth, and she's like freaking the fuck out on me. Like, I can't believe you're playing this. He's a rapist and all this great. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, I had a couple of drinks in me. We have a sign in the, in the bar. It's a big pink neon sign that it's, it keep, we keep it behind a black like shade. In, in the middle of the night, we can pull the shade up and we flick on a switch and it says no fucking requests. And it like <laughs> it lights up the whole like space. It's a really yeah. dark space and it lights up the whole space. So I like blasted it on her and I'm like, get out of my face. Like, get away from me. She went on like this Twitter storm the next day. Oh, it was like, shit. oh, yeah. And it was like a whole thing I had to deal with. It wasn't too bad. Thank God. But but uh, yeah, Did you have to do like a public apology from the bar. It didn't even shit? get that far. No. But yeah, yeah, it didn't even get that far. Luckily. But yeah. She didn't have a big enough following, so it didn't really like it didn't really go too far. It's scary though that something like that yeah. could happen and it could just destroy a business. Yeah. But even as a DJ, I'm like I'm kinda torn. Like I'm like, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like, I kinda like the fucking song. Like still I, good music. I can separate I could separate the artist and the music. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I could still listen to R. Kelly right now. I could still listen to some Kanye. I could be yeah. like, yo, that's good and that's bad. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I mean But there's a lot of people who can't do that. Yeah, I see a lot of it on Instagram, especially. Yeah. Like, There's yeah. a lot of DJs that I talk to, like, in group chats, and they're like, I won't play that shit anymore. I yeah. won't play R. Kelly, and I won't play this. And I'm like, Jesus, like, yeah. is it that deep? Well, your MoMA interview, I mean, he was saying, like, <coughs> his party in L.A., right? Huh? Like, MoMA's party in L.A.? Like, he said that he had, like, a huge backlash from playing Kanye. Or I think I actually read that on Billboard. He oh, got really? interviewed on Billboard. Oh, yeah. really? I, think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Because the Evil One too from out yeah. in Portland. He said something about it too. Really? Wow. What, what were yeah. they saying? Like it was basically like is Con. It, they had this. It was on the like front page of Billboard.com, and it was like is Kanye West or you know our DJ is not playing Kanye West anymore because of mm. all the you know all this stuff. And uh, they had quotes from MoMA, and he was talking about um, everyday people. He did it in L.A. I think. And just recently, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And he was saying that, like, people were like, nah, turn this shit off. Really? Like, coming up to him, like, don't play this. Damn. Yeah. Man, you have I to ask know. him. You're tight he, with him. I'm, honestly, if he would have gotten arrested, or I mean, he got thrown in jail for what he's being accused of doing. Were you talking about R. Kelly or Kanye? No, I'm talking about Kanye. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about R. Kelly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't play his music. But he's never been convicted. Right, right. It's just hearsay. And, it, and it's been like that forever. Yeah. I mean, when it, the, the Ignition remix came out, wait, I mean, that was 2002. Remember, yeah, because that, yeah. um... I mean, I remember playing yeah, that. And I remember then right, people yeah. being like, did you hear he, like, pissed on a girl? Or, like, something crazy. And I'm like... It's, like, deeper now, right? Yeah. Like, it's like... Because that came like out as now. a boot... That came out from the bootleg album before yeah. it came out yeah. for the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I think people are more sensitive now. 
for sure. And I 100%. think I think the uh, the whole knowing about the artists on Instagram and knowing everything about them has affected people's interpretation of the music. Maybe oh, there yeah. was a I mean, back then there was a bigger separation between the artists and the music. And then mm-hmm. if we would find anything about the artists, we'd have to pick up a Vibe magazine or right. a Source magazine or Double XL to find out about the artist right right and it was still filtered through a writer mm-hmm. so it was a writer's interpretation of what that artist is and now you're just getting a direct feed on this artist and some of them are assholes and some of them aren't with kanye i don't really think it's that deep I don't either <coughs> sorry i think with r kelly i think it's deep mm-hmm. i yeah. think with that dude uh triple x i think it's deep yeah yeah but like with kanye i don't i think it's more his is all opinion Everything about him is opinion. He's just done some dumb shit. I mean, but yeah. when has Kanye never done dumb? I mean, he's always done dumb shit. And like crucifying him based off of his opinion. Like he hasn't. Like the MAGA hat. Anyone. Like I mean, it's yeah. like, dude. I mean, I don't even think he <laughs> understands <laughs> the the magnitude of wearing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And technically, know. R. Kelly hasn't hurt anyone either. I mean, his his I don't his know. Thing I, think, is like, I think R. Kelly's kind of <laughs> fucked up, yo. I think, <laughs> I think R. Kelly's his is, crazy. His is just. Whatever kind of weird sexual preference that we don't agree with, but everything's done through consent, right. and everything has right. he hasn't broken any laws. Here's right. a question: I mean, I, Someone asked asked this to me and said, "What if Chris Brown never did that shit with Rihanna? Where would he be, be right he'd now?" He'd be the king. We'd be talking about him as he'd be like Michael Jackson. I wouldn't say Michael Jackson, but he would, but he would definitely be. Up he there. would be in that conversation. People are calling Drake Michael Jackson. He would, he, he would be more like Usher. Do you guys when remember Usher when hot. Chris Brown did that? He did one of the VMAs, and he did, like, the craziest performance ever. You it guys was, remember that? He was jumping around on these stages and on break, the tables, break and dancing and doing all kinds of crazy was singing. That, and was that when Diddy and them were, like, bigging him up and, like, yo, he's the next one? He's the dude? I think so. I, I think it might have been out here. Hmm. I think it was when yeah. Kanye Goodlife came it was, out. It was because like they did it at the Palms. That and was, they were, like, doing different stages at different but, venues. And that's yeah. when Chris Brown was yeah. dancing yeah. on tables and jumping on yeah. other yeah. motherfuckers' yeah. tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Diddy and all of these dudes were standing up like yo, and then afterwards they were like, "He's the next one." Yeah, He's, he, that dude's like a. Like, I remember talent. watching that and being like, "I, I haven't I seen some shit." Kanye like that was since mad because like he wasn't on the main stage. Yeah, he, yeah, there was like some big. Yeah, like he yeah. went, he went, he went. But I think wild. like Britney Spears was, and he was like flipping when, out. When, when was that? When, yeah. when was that? Though? That was 09. 09. That's 09. almost ten years ago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone in R and B that's as talented as Chris Brown right now? Not even close. Not even close. So I no. think that. The whole Rihanna thing that happened definitely slowed down his career, made him double, like you know, double, triple think a lot of things. And I think if he if that never happened, it would have just kept propelling like Drake. Yeah, and I yeah. think he would have been like on some Michael Jackson shit. He would have had he would have been working with better writers, better producers. His label would have put more money into more his sponsorships, shit, more yeah. sponsorships. It would have been, been more pop. Like, would have been more crazy. Pop. And that speaks to his talent that he was even able to come back yeah. from that yeah, and yeah. still be a huge success. But it still haunts him. Right. It does. It literally People still, still talk him. about that shit, yeah. which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. That's but true. every artist is fucking, every artist is fucking uh, tortured. They're, they're, they're yeah. fucking, they're crazy in some way. Yo. Yeah. I mean, shit. XXX. Remember Diddy hit um, Steve Stout over the head with a bottle of champagne? Yeah, man. <laughs> Did it, fucking Jay-Z stabbed uh, Un Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Come on, Trey, man. He had like the domestic abuse yeah. with Michelet. Yeah. And then uh, what's the chick's name to write the, uh, 
the writer? D. 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 Right? Bar- D. Barnes. D. Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah, the list goes on forever, man. <laughs> yeah. How you gonna, uh, Dre was looked at as one of the fucking one of the worst motherfuckers, I think. Yeah. Especially on the East Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he beat up D Barnes. Yeah. yeah. From pump, pump what is it? Pump, pump it up. Pump it yeah. up. Dude, we yeah, were like, bad. yo, fuck NWA. We were like, fuck those dudes, man. And now with his beats by Dre and shit, that's yeah. fucking crazy, yo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I think people are way too sensitive now, but they need to separate the artists. Otherwise, you're you're not gonna. You need these fucking nut jobs to make music. Otherwise, it's not going to be what it is. Yeah. Like Triple X. Yeah. I think people were judging him. That motherfucker was, was he 21 even? I think it was 20. No, he's 20. Do you like his music? Uh, we Nugget? were just talking about it. No, I'm not even like, I'm not even super familiar with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know, I know a couple tracks and that's about it. Dude, like I was talking to a couple of homies of mine. I was like comparing him to Malcolm X because Malcolm X was like an arch criminal in his early days. Right. I mean, that dude was pimping chicks. He was fucking robbing motherfuckers. He was burglarizing. He was doing drugs. Yeah. Like if you judged him only from his early years, like, yo, you you know, there's no telling what X could have been in 10 years. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? You it's can't. so young. Can't, you know, and then, like I said, you got to, like, you know, I don't want to blame his parents, but, like, yo, people are not raised, uh, don't have the pri- privilege of being raised as well as some other people, man. Yeah. And they got to get through those demons and shit, and sometimes they, they're going to make mistakes like that. And then you got to let people evolve, man. You can't judge people from, like, their... You know, from and just one action and just like really sum up motherfuckers like that. And I think yeah. that's the problem right now. Everyone's judgment is like crazy. Yeah. Everyone knows like everyone's just like, oh, that motherfucker is an arch criminal. Like that that dude's a rapist. It's just like, yo, you're putting yeah. all these titles in. Like you ain't you ain't do shit. Like right. I don't know. Yeah, that dude's mom was young, man. I think she had him like 15. He was like mad abused, right? XXX. That dude, <laughs> dude, man, he had a rough childhood, man. I don't know, man. I just think I could separate the music from the artists and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Are you playing any of the new Kanye shit or any of that shit? Yeah, I mean a little bit. What's this? What's what's hitting for you out there? Uh, hitting? I don't know if anything's hitting. <laughs> I'm about to ask you, what songs got, you playing off that album? <laughs> I gotta be honest. Like, I don't. I don't Do you know. think this is the worst summer of new music? I think um, it is. I don't know, man. I mean. Well, well, you guys have talked about this on the podcast before. As far as like the clubs go, yeah, without a doubt, I'm just yeah. so bored with the music. It's crazy. I'm, I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but there's just nothing coming out that's like sticking with people. It seems like, yo, if uh, Big Bank is like the biggest song right now, or like if that's my go-to <laughs> track, <laughs> that's, I'm not trying to shit on YG or any of those motherfuckers, but that should not be the only big song that I'm like, yo, I gotta play Big Bank. <laughs> You know, just what I hearing mean? you say it out loud is hilarious. Like I'm, no, I'm almost wait. more impressed, not so much with the music, but just the fact that Kanye got his shit together enough to put out five albums in five weeks. Like I, I'm almost more impressed with that. Did you hear the <laughs> Tayana Taylor? Yeah. I Did you like it. that? Uh, yeah. I actually didn't mind it. I liked it. <sighs> you didn't like it, huh? You did, did you like it? Damn man. I thought it was dope. I liked it. That last song definitely threw me for a loop. That uh, WPS. Yeah, yeah. I think. They needed a vocal producer. Yeah. I think her vocal sounded rough. She needed a coach, like a vocal coach? No. Uh, so, you know, Rihanna has like a vocal, like an engineer, vocal engineer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like. For the mix down, you mean? For a, yeah. well, the final just, product. Th- there's literally an engineer I think she's been working with since her first record. 
who knows how to EQ her vocals yeah. mm-hmm. and knows exactly how much reverb to put in, when to double up, and to make her vocals sound outstanding. Mm-hmm. And I think the way the songs are mastered, Tiana Taylor's voice sounded very, uh, it, it didn't sound as good as it could have. Well, I heard that Kanye was in, still engineering the the album like the night it was supposed to drop. Yeah. He was on an airplane fucking still working on it. Wow. That's why the album didn't come out until Saturday. Yeah. Mm. And then I just think that was the problem. And I think also some of the writing of the songs, the melodies, her voice is like was straining on a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. And it didn't flow right, and I just think you—they needed some Ashanti melodies in there. Yeah, like there was this, there was a lot of songs that like, damn, that beat is great, and the chorus is kind of good, but you, they just needed like another writer or another another person to be like, let's simplify this verse because I can't think of one verse from any of those songs that I can sing and I can register the melody of that. Yeah. Song does that make sense? That's a good point. That's different because yeah. I I like the album because I like the beats. I think the beats are the beats were good and they're yeah. always going to be good. The problem with Kanye is that when you're rushing this kind of thing and you're and you're doing R and B, there's more to R and B. There's a lot of vocal shit and there's a lot of like writing and reworking songs and a lot of the verses. Even the first oh man, like uh, the best song to me was that uh, fuck. I don't know. That. Honestly, Kanye haven't done an R&B record in forever. This is the, this is fucked up. The one R&B record I think of is Brandy. That was oh, 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 I remember that one. <laughs> nah, um, Alicia Keys. That was a great song. John yeah. Le- John Legend. Oh yeah, yeah. He did. You still I, love I, that one? I yeah. still think he never did justice to John Legend. I think I John agree. Legend did his best shit. Yeah, alone, kind of yeah. a little bit. You know, what I, I mean? think he like helped him get on, and then he just kind of like, all right, you on your own. With John, but not because he knew John could do that shit. I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could do that shit. You don't need. <laughs> you good, John. Don't you don't need my help, man. <laughs> well, what was yeah? What was the one, the one with Brandy? The talk about our love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like hearing R and B artists sing over dope hip, sampled hip hop beats. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I love mm-hmm. that. Do you like LMA? Is she working, or is that even getting played on the radio? Or yeah. I don't even know if I know what that is. What she is has it? that song "Boot Up." Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know that. I heard, I heard it yeah. on um, Sirius. I think it had like a quick run in the club. Now I feel like it's kind of like it's kind of dead. I don't believe you played that. You played it prime time in the club. No, 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 no. Uh, but I've heard, I've heard like Franny played and it went, it went nuts. Yeah, I played, I played it, it prime time. Yeah, yeah. Did it work? Kind of. It has like, to you got to right sell crowd, it though. Right? I feel like you got to yeah. you got to drop it from the one. Yeah, and yeah. then really sell it. <laughs> But you gotta talk it up on the mic. Yeah, you gotta talk it up on the mic and really sell yeah. that shit, man. You can't, you can't just play that shit. Not yet, where like people are gonna hear it, like, cause it doesn't come in strong, like mm-hmm. feelings, like. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta drop it from the one and be like, "Where the fuck my?" You know, you guys talk that shit and then get all the girls in it, and then the guys will get in it and yeah. whatever. Um, fuck, why can't I get this album list? Now, I was listening to Goldfinger's mix on Sirius the other day when I was driving around, and he mixed in one of the new Tiana songs. I can't remember the name of it, uh-huh. but it was dope. Like yeah, when, it, it, like good. it sounded really good in the mix. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, oh shit, like yeah. this is really dope. He was playing like an R&B set, but it was cool. It made me actually go give it give it like a second listen. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Sorry, guys. Uh, where's the, you know, the, the great thing about these Kanye albums, produced album, is there's like only 24 minutes. Yeah. 
It's like yeah. short. You gotta they are, sit yeah. there an hour and a half. You can get through it on like, a, on like an Uber ride. It's crazy, man. Like when the first one came out, I was like, this is fucking serious? This is so weird. But then mm-hmm. like, you know, week after week, I was like, okay, you know, it's like a full body of work when yeah. you look at it kind of. But that Push album, man. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's probably my favorite album that's come out this year. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I want, you know, what is it? Is Drake this Friday? Yeah. yeah. Dude, we need some hits. We need some club hits, man. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope. I just, dude, it's been, this is the worst summer for club music, yo. Is it supposed to be one album hip hop and one R and B? Huh? Is it supposed to be one album hip hop and one R and B? Dude, if he gives us two albums, I will play. Oh, it's supposed yeah. to be. Two. It's supposed to be like A side and B side or something like oh, that, right? Man. Shit, great. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> I play. I play that whole album in the club, <laughs> man. I just need something. Give me something. I just wonder if he feels pressure. If you like. He, ha- he has to, I feel like. Yeah. Although they yeah. put that video out for I'm, so, I'm upset and he looks very chill. <laughs> yeah. Like don't give I don't give a fuck. Oh, I didn't even see they have that video for upset. Yeah, it's dope. Oh, I shit. haven't seen it either. Oh wait, wait, wait. Am I did I have the wrong one? Which one's the one with the Degrassi reunion? Is that I'm I upset? That's I'm a, upset. Yeah, that's I'm upset. upset, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the videos. The videos. I haven't dope. even seen that video. Just the way the video starts. He just looks like he's just like got a care. I'm on a whole nother level. I'm shit. Like I'm not even. <laughs> How was Pittsburgh? How was Pittsburgh reacting to that whole beef and shit? Uh, I mean, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering. I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's great, man. It's good for the culture. You've been hearing about this uh, Kid Capri and uh, yeah. What you, do you think of that? Shit? I just found out about it yesterday. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was just like, I'm, man, I'm like a little bit out of the loop. Well, I mean, be what, honest well, with what you, guys. you think about that? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a bummer to me. I gotta be honest with you. Like, so. Uh, Funkmaster Flex when I was a kid was a huge inspiration right. I not so mm-hmm. much Kid Capri but like when the you know I'm 37 so like I was probably 15 when like Funk Flex dropped 60 Minutes of Funk those mixtapes yeah well, obviously did, I couldn't listen to Hot 97 oh you couldn't up. I was gonna no, ask no. you if you had Hot 97 no we had a we had a we had a mix show on our hip hop station in Pittsburgh but I, like I said I grew up like an hour away from the city so like at my parents house we grew up I mean it was the middle of nowhere it's like cornfield type shit so like on the radio on my boombox in my room when I was a kid I had to like fix the antennas so like I would just get the station and then the mix shows would be on late at night and my parents were like you need to go to bed so I would like turn the volume down on my boombox the whole way and record on tape try to get the mix shows and then that's how I started to get into like understanding how DJing worked mm-hmm. but uh, when those funk flex tapes dropped you know those were like a huge thing for me as a kid mm-hmm. yeah. and then I've pl- I've opened for Kid Capri and I've actually had bad experiences with Kid Capri I've uh, heard so rumors of, right. I've had two okay. terrible experiences we, okay I, we should talk about this a little bit yeah. but <laughs> what are your bad experiences because I'll share you mine so he played at this club year this is before I even met you. I opened for him and um he would he just threw a fit, I guess, before uh, with all the equipment. I mm-hmm. guess it was a huge DJ booth and there was all this different equipment. I guess he threw a fit and like whoever had to set up his equipment, which wasn't me, they didn't follow his rider instructions. <clears throat> but I guess he like was just like a huge asshole about it. Like mm-hmm. came in the club early and was like, fix this fucking shit. Like, you know, just a real diva. But then the second time, um, it wasn't actually with him. It was with his manager. But he just said, like, the wildest shit to me. Like, I got hit up uh, by one of the Steelers, and he was bringing him in for his fraternity was having a party in the city. And he was like, can you set up DJ gear for Kate Capri? 
And um, it was a bad day for me. Something was going on that day, and I can't remember what it was, but I was like, dude, I have, like, barely any time. I'm like, I'm going to bring this stuff down and set it up real quick. I was like, Mm -hmm. it might not be perfect, so just let his manager know, like, he might have to come in early and, like, readjust some shit or whatever. Yeah. Because it was like he didn't send me his ride or anything. So I went down and, like, set all this shit up, and I was like, you know, a ton of shit. I had to bring a ton of shit. It was on a boat, so, like, they didn't have anything. So I had to bring the whole of the shit. And whenever I, I got done, I was, like, going to leave and... It just so happened that the dude was coming in with his manager and he was like, oh, this is Kid Capri's manager. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And he was just like, this is it. And I mean, it was just like a mixer and two turntables with like a monitor. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, this is the setup for the greatest DJ of all time. This is what we got. <laughs> like, that's what, and I, I just looked at him and I was like, two turntables and a mixer. That's what he plays on, right? Uh-huh. And he was just like, but this is like the whole thing. It's on a fold out table. I'm like, I don't know, man. This is what I'm working with. Like, what the fuck? You don't be a dick to me. Like, I'm fucking, it's pouring down rain outside. I'm like soaked. I'm dripping wet, pouring. I'm not getting paid for this shit. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. But that like stuck, you know, like, yeah. I'm just, I don't know, man. Like, I try to be really humble and nice to everybody. And that, like, I just don't, you know. Did he this actually is, say the world's greatest DJ? Yes. 100%, like, verbatim. Was it his He's brother? Like, it might have been. Because I know his brother, I think, is his brother his manager? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. His yeah. road manager, I yeah. think, right? It could have been. He said, verbatim, is this the setup we have for the world's greatest DJ? <laughs> Did you have a bad... <laughs> nah, I opened for him three times, all all three in all Vegas, good? and they were okay. Like, I mean, he was kind of like low-key. He didn't, he didn't say two words to me. Yeah. But I didn't take it personal. I yeah, mean, yeah. He, you know, he's in his zone. He don't know me. I'm opening for him. He's probably had thousands of openers, so whatever. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have anything bad to say, you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about quicker? Um, <laughs> your experience with uh, the kid Capri. First of all, like I I respect Funk Flex, yeah, because he was on the radio and he was a big part of New York City. And what I don't like is during this whole beef with Kid Capri and Funk Flex is like Kid Capri disrespecting Funk Flex, and I'm sure Funk. I haven't heard what Funk Flex said about Kid Capri yet. Yeah. Have you guys? The original thing. He was thing. like ranting on the radio last night, but I didn't hear it. No, what I mean, but even before that, that started the whole shit. I didn't even hear what the fuck he Flex said, said. He said something about this is what a washed up DJ looks like. Because I was trying to figure out what he said. Well, how did that but come it, up? I, think I, I don't know. It all started with Kickapri out of nowhere. It was because saying that Funk Fletcher is saying he's the king of New York. And Kickapri oh. took offense to that. He was like, how the fuck are you going to call yourself the king of New York? And he's like, he's more the king of New York. And I'm just like. Well, I, I don't appreciate, like, West Coast DJs or DJs outside of the East Coast who don't know what Flex or the impact that Flex had in New York City. I yeah. don't appreciate them saying that he ain't shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've I seen think, that shit. Like, I would never talk about a L.A. DJ or, like, a Chicago DJ and be like, yo, that dude ain't shit compared to some other dude because I, I don't know the impact yeah. that that DJ had. And as much as people want to shit on Flex... And honestly, like, I learned different things from Flex. I've heard Flex at Cheetah. Mm-hmm. He DJs a different way than Kid Capri. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've learned a lot of party rock and shit from Kid Capri, but I've learned some shit from Flex, too. They're two exactly. totally different DJs. Right, you know? yeah. right. Um, and they both got egos. So I ain't going to say, like, if I was to give, I don't know, I would give more respect to Kid Capri. You know what I'm saying? On, on some just, like, OG shit. Yeah. But I don't. I think what they're doing right now is like super childish, yeah. And it's just bringing it's the culture un- down. Unnecessary, especially. Yeah. I think it just teaches the kids like 
this is cool and it's not cool. Like there's right. a there's a good way and a bad way to beef, and I think the way Kid Capri's doing it is just like I don't think it's like very honorable. I don't think it's like it's not how like someone his age and his level in the game right. should be like you don't want to see Jigga like acting like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you don't want to see like like OGs acting like that. But yeah. I always use Jay Z as the reference actually. Yeah. Because I feel like he is the he's like the the he's like the the role model for like for hip hop. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> like you know what I mean? He's like, like the ambassador he is, yeah. of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Right now. But you know what I mean? Like he's been in, in and out of so many weird things. And I always say I'm like, he just knows how to handle himself. Like he was just like something crazy happens, he just keeps his mouth shut. Like mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. It'll 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 you know. But back to Kid Capri, uh, I remember when we did old school Wednesdays at Lavo and he was doing that. Uh-huh. And I opened for him, and I closed for him, and it was cool. It was fun, and he was hanging out when I was closing for him, and he was like, "Yo, I need, I need that song. I need this. I need that." And then we were talking. And I was like, "Yo, man, like, yo, like, yo, I'm from New York, so yeah. I grew up on your shit. Like, you know, the old school, you know, mixtapes. I like grew up on that shit. I learned like everything about you from that shit." And he was like, "Yeah, no doubt, no doubt." He's like, "You know, come to my hotel tomorrow." And I need some of that music. And then I was like, cool. And he's like, you know, his manager, which I guess is with his brother, mm-hmm. was like, yo, get him, you know, get his math. And then, you know, we'll text you. And then I would get a text. And they're like, yo, man, you're going to come through? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yo, can you get us some weed? And I was like, yeah, you know. And I am i don't really smoke weed like that. So I think I was hitting some people up for, like, weed. And he was asking for some other shit. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to get that shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then. I ended up going to the hotel, and then dude was like, yeah, I'm going to come down and grab you. So the I guess it was his brother or something came downstairs. He said, yo, where's the weed? And I gave it to him. He's like, all right, peace, thanks. And he left. Oh. <laughs> and I just felt, and I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, all right, cool. And I like I had my like laptop. I was going to give him music yeah, and right. shit, and I thought I was going to like be able to meet him. But I understand, like, like uh, that, like Kid Capri being like, yo, I don't want to hang out with this fucking Vegas dude or whatever. That was kind of whack. That's but yeah. I thought that's it was, I thought up, it was man. a little funny, man. So yeah, yeah that's kind of whack. You yeah, know that's what I mean? Pretty disrespectful. Just on a uh, on some DJ shit that was. And whack. then he hit me up later on some like, yo, y'all, you got any more weed? And I'm like, nah, man. I was like, nah, I ain't got nothing, man. Yeah. And then well, he was, was Capri that hit you up or his um. I don't know manager. whose number I got, man, but yeah. I, I'm in my head. I'm trying to imagine like it wasn't Kid Capri that it was like his manager or whatever. Yeah. But it for someone like, dude, I, I look I look up to a lot of dudes and I've met some of them and I think like it's always been ninety percent disappointing <laughs> to meet any any of your heroes. Wow. Like one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. Huh? That's fucked yeah. up. Yeah. I think in different terms he would have been a different dude. Like yeah. had like. Cause like I've had, there's certain OG like DJs like uh, Grandmaster Flash, like I I respect that dude so much. Like every time I see him, I like kneel. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not. Yeah. But like I know some dudes that really hate opening for him. Yeah. And I, I know like who fucking like despise him, and I'm like, yo, how could you despise? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like even though Kid Capri kind of played me or his management played me, like. 100% treating me like a fucking nerd, like a fucking, like a scrub, yo. Yeah. Uh, I still don't really have hate for him, you know what I'm right. saying? I still, like, I could separate that shit and be like, yo, he's still, like, a great DJ and shit, yeah. you know what I mean? But, I mean, that you know, that's my kick of pre-story, I mean. But oh, I, I would have been pissed. I would have been like. There's a definite 
I mean, there's a definite ego in that shit, but I think there's just that, like I said, like when you get to a certain point, there is a delusion. Yeah. There's like a lack of self-awareness and awareness of just an empathy of every other person that yeah. you meet where you're just kind of like, I'm the best. And people have been, your whole team's been feeding you like, yo, you the best, you the best. Yeah. You and know? you think people are out to get you too. I think yeah. that has a big thing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think people are I, out I to like take so, advantage yeah, yeah. of you almost. And it's and sometimes it's usually the motherfuckers who are closest to you that are playing you like the most than any of these other motherfuckers. But I mean, yeah, that was my. You never met Kid Capri? You do? You have? You? I've never met Kid Capri, but he, so I don't have a Kid Capri. But story. you got a childhood shit, no? I mean, dude, I remember hearing buying his mitts tapes when it first came out. But didn't your sister used to date him or some shit? Nah, that was um red alert, oh, old school. Kid Capri was like after he was like. Like late '80s, mm. yeah. When he came out, when he started popping off, dude, I can't even explain. Like, t- like to Nugget and D, like the level that Kid Capri was on when I was growing up. Like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I first remember him from Def Comedy Jam. That was my. That's where he Capri. really blew up. Because I used to watch that shit. Like it was like late night, and I'd be like at my cousin's house. We sneak and watch it. And then we was like, oh, shit, this dude was, like, DJing on the, on the mic before the show starts and, like, mm-hmm. bringing out the acts. Like, I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I actually remember the first time I heard Kid Capri DJ. This is funny. I used to have, this is like, back in 89. I used to have, like, this high flat top. Mm-hmm. And my barber, he wanted me to do some fashion show <laughs> and walk the show because of my hairstyle. So I was like, fuck it. So... The after party, Kid Capri DJ, that was, like, the first time I ever heard him spin live. And you were just blown away? Yeah. I mean, uh, dude, he's, he's, he was just like I don't I, I don't I don't know how to explain it, man. Like beyond anything. Also, anything, he you know. DJ. Remember the time I told you I went to that Airbnb and Rakim concert at Studio Fifty Four, and the place got shot up, so they had to end the concert. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> he so. he was DJing that night. I never forget. He was killing it, and then Dos Effects Day One Effects had just come out. He put that record on, and then the record skipped. And everybody was born. And he was like, yo, 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 fuck that shit, fuck that shit. Yo, I want to bring this shit back to the beginning. I need y'all to wild. He was like, he did this whole thing, and the whole fucking club went crazy. When he just took the bucket off the needle and put it back to the beginning. Wow. Remember that part? Doom, doom. I just never seen, I, like, even just, like, the folklore about him and the city, the way they looked at him was, like, insane. It was, like, on some, like, next level. Like, I can't even, I can't even compare it to anybody when I was growing up. Like, Grandmaster Flash. Mm-hmm. Like the creative hip hop, we just—it was insane. We used to look at him like borderline gods, yo. Yeah. When I was growing up, man, like all of that shit. So, but you yeah. were like a little closer to it because maybe you were experiencing it. I was right there, yeah. But in, for in us, for us, like the '90s dudes, like we were like, yo, that's like it was like folklore. Mm-hmm. So we were, we worshipped them even more. Like we worshipped these motherfuckers even more. Was I there? mean, like you said, they both have different styles, Fletch and Kicker Pre. Mm-hmm. So it's like. It's hard, it's hard to tell who's the better DJ. Yeah. Was there anybody that you maybe looked up to that way? Or like in Pittsburgh was like a god? No. Nah, besides I mean, uh, your boy you were talking about, Skepta? Was Skepta? Selecta. Selecta, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, when I moved to, well, actually before I moved to Pittsburgh, he was definitely the dude. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, um, like I said, he had the record store and amazing DJ. One of the best DJs I've ever heard. Still yeah. to this day, yeah. Just amazing. Like, um on vinyl and now he's it took him forever to transition into serato because you know he was the vinyl dude mm-hmm. but uh yeah no he was definitely like major influence on me for sure but um 
New York more than anything. The guys from New York, like um, so you you kind of grew like you grew up on flexing like enough. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, I don't think I don't think West Coast motherfuckers realize like these dudes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like obviously, there's there's West Coast DJs I haven't heard of. Like mm-hmm. I never heard of the Beat Junkies till I came to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, at no point was I like, man, them, you know what I'm saying. Those like, dudes I, were never on radio. Yeah, but you still you you gotta like I would I would hear motherfuckers talk about the beat junkies Mm -hmm. and it would it reminded me of how I would talk about Kid Capri or Grandmaster Flash or any of these like OGs Ron G or any of them Mm -hmm. like that and I would just instantly be like yo like much respect to those motherfuckers I take it back uh, Mellow Mellow D was on radio and like he was like the one that was kind of like the face him and Mr Chalk yeah was kind of like the face Mm -hmm. of like the beat junkies like at least for me and the thing is Mellow D is so fucking humble. Like yeah. he's yeah. beyond yeah. humble. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like he's super talented and he's such an OG, but when you meet him, he's super humble. And I, I don't know, man. Like these New York dudes, they just need to be like chill the fuck out, man. Like they need to I, they got a chip on their shoulder. It's crazy, man. Well, I think the the culture was just different too because DJs didn't really run the radio in LA like that. Like they it was more of the personalities on the air. But the DJs were like kind of like always in the background. Yeah, because you guys have oh, like yeah. Bad Boy and like Sway. Yeah, right. Like be a big boy, big boy, Sway. big boy. So yeah, Bad Boy. And like it was never like <laughs> it was Sway never like yeah. a big mix show that everybody was just wilding out for. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just specialty mix shows and like even breaking new music. It was more on the uh, on the personalities mm-hmm. like that I remember. Like Big Boy was huge. Remember like Kick Capri was on WBLS for a yeah. minute. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that I show to, and the show was dope. It, oh my god. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But it didn't last that long. I don't know. Man. It was like a couple of months, and then just stopped doing it. I'm curious. We got uh, Scribble coming up. Yeah. So I'm curious. I actually want to talk to that motherfucker yeah. about some of this shit because <laughs> he might know the inner workings of that. I shit, feel like right? he does. Yeah. yeah. Who, did, who did Kid Capri have beef with in the '90s? Um, Doop. Doop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. did they? Oh, yeah, they had a big beef, man. They was going back and forth for mid-tapes. Did I not remember? Oh, yeah. did they? Yeah. I don't remember this. I think that's oh, whenever I found out about Kid Capri. Wasn't Kid Capri was rapping kidding. for a little bit? Yeah. I remember he, had he had an album. album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. He was on Cold Chilling. Damn. That was the worst album cover, but it was, <laughs> I know. Like, it was him with like a chef hat or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Dude, do, do you have like... Oh. No, go ahead. No. Do, do you have like a setup of choice? Like when you're when you're DJing? Oh, you mean gear wise? Mm-hmm. Uh, two techs and a Pioneer. Pioneer. Nine hundred. I like the S nine actually. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say I'm yeah. starting to get into the S nine, but yeah. I haven't purchased one yet. Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. weird, man. Like we kind of changed the city a little bit whenever we were doing a lot of stuff with with out of town DJs and just and bringing people in. Like we um, like every DJ in Pittsburgh for the most part uses turntables. Yeah. Which is like yeah. I feel like you don't see that a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, you like, guys no. haven't done the CDJ. Take no, over? and like I'll tell you a funny story. I've never played on a CDJ in my life. Really? Yeah, really? really? Yeah. No, and like they hit me up um, about wait, wait, tonight. Wait, wait, wait. I want I want you to say this a little loud. Can you get closer? Can you can you get closer yeah. to the mic? Oh, that's unheard of. I might move to yeah, Pittsburgh. Man. I've never played on a CDJ, believe it or not, because I always hear you guys talk about. And that. then yeah. all the clubs in Pittsburgh, what? Have turntables, yeah. Wow. Maybe that's the spot to move to, man. I want to move there. Pittsburgh. Yeah, some places have CDJs, but. Like I said, I, it's cool because I see the young kids that kind of came up in the scene mm-hmm. that were DJing, and they have all like transitioned into turntables for the most part. And they might they wow. might have started on something like a CDJ, mm-hmm. and there were even some older cats that were on CDJs that are on turntables. So it's pretty crazy, yeah. What do you, what do you attribute that to? 
I don't just know. everyone having a respect or is it just you guys, the OGs kind of, or like the, the guys setting a tone that like turntables need to be there? I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I honestly just think it's like a cool factor or like a cultural factor. Like, mm. you know, this is like what it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like or whatever you want to say. I don't really know. I, mean, I just had a gig uh, recently and I went there and it, one of the turntables was fucked up. And another one was kind of fucked yeah. up, and I had to play in internal mode. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, in this case, I would rather be on a CDJ. Sure, but it's really just. And I talked to the opener, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been having problems with the turntables and shit." And I was just like, "Again, why didn't you switch it out? Mm. Why don't you tell somebody and switch it out?" I didn't. I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> I like. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Like, like. I don't know if any of you openers or closers or headliners or whatever the fuck. If y'all are opening for somebody and closing for somebody or whatever the fuck you're doing, you got to fucking check the equipment and let the sound guy know what's going on. Especially at the end of the night, I told the fucking manager, I'm like, oh, yeah, one of your turntables is busted. He's like, oh, man, I could have gotten that switched down in five minutes. Damn. Yeah. And I was like, yo, then why didn't the opener just say something? And it, the opener wasn't an asshole. Obviously, he was, you know, he yeah. was just like, I'll just deal with it, you know? Yeah, I just don't <laughs> like you get out here too. Like the nine hundred, the Pioneer nine hundred, which is obviously like an insanely good mixer and it's super reliable and you don't have to worry about it. That right. like most spots have those right out here. Yeah, so like eight hundred or nine hundred mm-hmm. or eight or nine hundred. Yeah. yeah, but um, it's always been two channel mixers in Pittsburgh. Like no one ever uses a four channel mixer. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. another like weird thing. So like anytime I used to travel, I would always have to get like readjusted on a four channel Pioneer. Like with the wow. effects and like so what would you guys stuff. use like for the two channel another pioneer rain 56 oh, okay. rain 57 it just kind of went up right you know what i mean um yeah. before that it was vestax mm-hmm. it was always vestax Ugh. um vestax is horrible <laughs> sound quality you know is i've horrible. never used a vestax i used to I have a couple of them i had an 05 and 07 horrible sound quality mm. but the fader was i never had one but i mean i played on them but i never really even and the yeah. spots i played on those wait were so like what kind of spots. what kind of mixes do you have right now in pittsburgh uh, we have an S9 at both my spots, both of our spots. What about other clubs? Do you know? Um, Probably the 800 or 900? Let me think about that. No. The other big club in town, they use a 57 still. Wow. Which is crazy, yeah. That's but bad. The, but honestly, that you, you contribute that to some of the things going on at that club and some of the people that run it. But um, I don't know. You guys, don't know. you guys are still using uh, Scratch Live or Serato DJ Pro? Uh, I just started using Pro. Like well, you guys have S9, so you got to use Pro, right? Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to use Pro with yeah. S9, right? Yeah. You can't use uh, Scratch Live. Yo, in the last two weeks, I've been getting played like a motherfucker for still using Scratch Live. Really? You still use Scratch Live or Serato <laughs> DJ? Scratch Live. Scratch Live. Yeah. yeah. I've been getting played like a motherfucker. Like, I'll go to the gigs <laughs> and, and motherfuckers just start laughing like, damn, I ain't never seen... I, I haven't seen someone on Scratch Live in so long. I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> I, I, a lot of a lot of dudes still use Scratch Live. Yeah, bro. yeah. This I, did, I, yo, I've gotten like two or three dudes just laugh like on some like really. Damn, you old timing motherfuckers to make me laugh. You still on Scratch Live? God damn. I'm just like whoa. Yeah, like, me, it's, me, it's not like, that funny, motherfuckers. It's not, it's not even like a. <laughs> to me, it's not even like a DJ thing though. It's more of a technology thing. Like it's not like you can DJ on anything. Like I always have these conversations with other DJs. I'm like, it doesn't matter what the fuck you DJ on. Yeah. Like I, I had to get Serato DJ at a certain point because I got a new MacBook Air. 
And right. that's the only reason I got it. You know what I mean? I was still on Scratch Live. I'm now just, I'm just, I'm on just pro. scared of all the, the shutdowns and shit yeah. that I've been hearing I, with Serato DJ. I played After Hours Club last week, and yeah. Serato Pro shut down to me in the middle of my set. See, that's what I'm and talking that's, about. And it's only the second or third time that's ever happened with Serato. I wish that could happen to one of these dudes that laughed at me, and I could just pop up and be like, ha, ha, you know, you young motherfuckers, y'all think y'all got to figure <laughs> Pull out Scratch Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The Scratch Live actually shut down on me once. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at a gig. Yeah. And it was, I attributed it to the dude that was laughing at me about Scratch Live. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, I, he was right. laughing like, damn, I haven't seen nobody on Scratch Live in so long. And I plugged it in. And somehow when he unplugged his USB, oh yeah, you, my shit shut down. Yeah. yeah, that I've, see, I've seen that happen. I mean, it was because yeah. he was at Serato DJ Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen yeah, that happen. Yeah. yeah. And then I kind of blame him because he was on Serato DJ yeah. Pro. But If he yeah. was on Scratch Live too, it wouldn't have happened. That happens sometimes, though, right? I've seen that happen a few times. It happened to me with, with the switchover. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, if you use the SO4 with both of the Scratch Live and Startle DJ Pro, it, for whatever reason, you plug one up, one of them out, and it just it just reads weird. And it but it freezes. also has to do with uh, who's on the main USB cord, right? Because right. if there's two USB cords, if someone's on like the one, if the Scratch Live is on the two instead of yeah. the one, like it'll and shut down. And also, if he um, doesn't exit out of the uh, program properly or like let's say if he still has like songs loaded in one of the decks mm. it, it makes it think because you know how on scratch live on Serato dj pro you can select like decks two and three or one yeah. and four if he yeah. doesn't have if yeah, the yeah. setting isn't right it like it does something weird mm. and hopefully they fix it with one of the updates but it happened to me at high before oh really yeah it's always something man yeah. always troubleshooting something with the Dude, I felt yeah. so I felt so crumb when motherfuckers was laughing at me about that scratch <laughs> live shit, up, man. <laughs> and there's buttons missing on my laptop and shit. I just felt like <laughs> extra crumb. <laughs> that S9's dope though. Yeah, they're, like fun, to they're yeah. fun to play on. They're fun to play on, for sure. I like that. Ayo, hey, um, Nugget. Thank you so much for coming through, man. Yeah, thanks. I know, yeah, man. I know, you know. Good to see you, brother. Yeah. yeah. Times, hey, I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you. I no, appreciate no, no, it. No, Thank no, you, man. man. And uh, big shout to Pittsburgh. Keep it vinyl. I like that. <laughs> I like that shit. We like hearing that shit. Um, what do you call it? Uh, me and D and me and D are gonna try to check you out at Omnia tonight. Yeah, please yeah. come through. All right, brother. Yeah. All right, thank you, man. All right, thank you, guys. Pleasure, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs>